Hi, I'm James Taylor. Hi, I'm Marcus Marks. Welcome back to Bros Watch PLL2. We're here for S1E8, Hook, Line, and Booker. How'd you feel about this episode, Marco? <sighs> um, there's some parts of the episode that are okay, and there's some parts that were really, really not, not okay. It's perhaps an odd uh, episode among the bunch we've had so far and that the Ali and Mona parts are not the best parts of the episode. Yeah. Their storylines are kind of weak. Good reminder that um, while maybe she's not being used as much as she could be, most interesting new character, Taylor Hotchkiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, her storyline. She, she remains an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it was nice to see some intrigue in the, uh, you know, drilling laptops and weirdly throwing laptops into the river type of stuff. At least something happened, you know, it's just another activity in the uh, Olympics of destroying evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, minor note. I don't think we talked about this. Zoe's at the prep for the fashion show and then she doesn't come to the fashion show. Yeah. I, I was a little confused by that. I don't know if they just didn't want to pay the actress or something. Um, mm. Or Ava fired her. For, or or she was antics. just there to, I don't know, be a stand-in for Ava or something. I don't know. She had she had runway chops, so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. this episode written by Nelson Soler, directed by Arlene Sanford. Nelson Soler never wrote for PLL, did write for Ravenswood way back in the day. And Life Sentence. And Life Sentence, yeah. Uh, brief bit of follow-up. Uh Always enjoy the comments we get on our website page or elsewhere. Uh, Nicole on her website page thinks that maybe Taylor, it was Taylor on the roof and she panicked thinking that Nolan was her dad and pushed him off. Mm. Did the old um, Hamlet thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess the weird thing there would be like, wasn't she just saw Nolan earlier and like, why else would, you know, why would she be up there to begin with? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anywho. Let's uh let's dive right in. You want to take us into the opening here? Yeah, what the hell? Uh, so we've got a drone shot hovering over what is supposed to be the BHU campus. Uh, we're going to we're going to be in Mona's apartment. She's uh, walking, giving out orders to the assembled group there. See her like circling the couch where the perfectionists are sitting, giving them the what's what. Uh, Mona says, "Now that we know that Dana's our A, we have to find out as much about her as possible." So on the couch, we got Caitlin, Ava, and Dylan. That's kind of their seating order. Uh, Mona comes around to the couch to face them, standing near a chair where Allison is, like, sitting casually. This is almost like a meta statement for how involved Allison now is to <laughs> the mystery. It's like now that Mona's involved, you know, there's not a whole lot Allison can do because you have Mona. Um, so now does, that Mona's does, your, uh, does your eyebrow twitch the, main, the, the way mine does whenever somebody mentions, like, a PLL thing? What do you mean? Oh, like yeah. Dana's yeah. our A. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the worst one is, is coming up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so now Mona's upset she's in charge. So she's got this like uh, great affect about her. Like she's like waiting to be impressed by these new troops that Ali recruited who are not worth a damn. And Caitlin's like, oh, you want to profile her? I did a report on criminal psychology last year when I was a freshman, apparently. And in order to catch a psychopath, you want to identify the personality and behavioral traits so you can know what kind of psychopath you're dealing with. And both... Alice and Mona have these like looks in their faces like they they think it's just like the cutest thing that Caitlin even tried. And Mona's like, well, thank you, Spencer. Right. And Alice's face is just like, you don't even know how badly you got burned. Oh, it's just, and, I don't know. that. Thank yeah, you, Spencer. Like why? Like for, it's not really fair to 
the Caitlyn character or Sydney Park either. You know, yeah. just be like, you're microwave Spencer. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as you pointed out in your notes, which are interesting. Salty. <laughs> um, there's a lot of begrudging hate respect for certain characters you have. Um, but like, it's like, the, it's the first of like two dunks on the world that they've created in the show it's just weird yeah i mean like at this point you might as well write mona like she knows that she's in a tv show in a in a lesser one too yeah know? yeah yeah so uh caitlin's like oh, i'm caitlin and mona's just like like it matters she's like yeah i i know anyway and we caught a break because it's staff and faculty appreciation day uh, uh, real quick real quick on the caitlin thing with all that like profiling they don't, mm-hmm. they don't do any of that, so, okay. No. So, Kay and Ava this look like they can't believe this. And Allison's like, this is all about celebrating and getting to know your fellow staff members. Right in the middle of Dead Week. Yeah. So, it is still in the middle of Dead Week, right? Because I mean, after it's, finals. It's at most, like, two days later from the last episode. But, I mean, following Dead Week would be finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we sure should be hearing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kaylin and ADR is just like, and you plan to get to know Dana. Mona's like, now, Dana has full access to Beacon Guard, so keep all confidential conversations about whatever out of public restrooms. Out of public restrooms. Um, I just feel like Mona should like repeat to these fucking dumbos. <laughs> keep all confidential conversations well, out like, of like Beacon Guard like access. But so she, she mentions just she's about to she drops like a huge reveal here that's just totally yeah. glossed over. Yeah, yeah, it is to the point where I had to make a note in my notes about is this what I think it is. So Ava says. They're spying on us in the bathrooms. And Allison's like, how do you know that? And Mona's like frustrated. She has to explain this or that the, the writers have to come back to this eight episodes later. And she's like, when you spend enough time watching people, you know when you're being watched. And so everyone's kind of like registering displeasure of this. And Ava is like looking to Caitlin for reaction. Dylan, on the other hand, looks like he's like stoned <laughs> for part of this scene. And Mona continues with, when they realized I figured it out, they brought me in and told me to keep my mouth shut. Until now, that's what I did. The cameras are there to protect us, but that's but let's not give Dana anything else to use against us. So what the so, fuck? What? So that's apparently the girl at the end of the pilot that she throws out of the bathroom and she starts yelling in the bathroom mirror. Like that's. Well, I don't. Here's the problem here because we don't. Mona doesn't always tell the full truth or maybe even the truth at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so is she lying here, or is this some weird way to completely retcon and hand wave away the whole opening of the show, yeah. like? It seemingly she's not telling the truth here, based unless they're trying to like make us forget that that first scene ever happened. It seemingly it's like no, like it's weird that there's you know people filming you in the bathroom and and everywhere else on campus. And she's, I don't know, it, I I find the, the the fact that she mentions it really bizarre. So that's the nice version. The worst version is. You're months into the writer's room and somebody's like, do you think anyone needs clarification on those those scenes in the pilot that most people found to be one of the most interesting? And they're like, oh, just hand wave, have Mona mention something about it. And it's like, uh... it's kind of a huge deal. So so <laughs> then I guess what I'm trying to understand is the whole thing where Mona goes to visit Allison. Allison leaves the room. She says, Allison seems whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, is she like slowly wink winking at them? Like, hey, mirror. I know you're there. Like but she like they were like talking to her through like an earpiece or something, weren't they? Cause I they, don't. Well, no, the, the lady said, Mona, go to your safe place. Yeah. The, go to your safe place. And there's a mention of Mona's safe place in this episode. 
So I can only assume that Mona is just lying here. I'm not sure why she even brings it up. Yeah. Like, uh, by the way, they're they're filming you in the bathroom. What what the fuck? Like, this should be a, everyone here should be like, uh, what? But for some reason, they're just like, huh? Well, that's weird. I just assume at the end of this season, Agent May will show up and take Mona onto her new life. Um, so Dylan decides to join the conversation here. He says, uh, she already has something on me. I might have screwed up. Caitlin's like, you definitely screwed up. And Ava's like, definitely. And Dylan's like, I submitted a cello piece as my own to Professor James. And I think Dana knows about it. And Mona's like, look on her face, like, can't you fuckers do anything right? Nope. Um, and Caitlin's like, oh, she knows about it. And Ava, maybe an ADR, is like, definitely. So Mona's just I'll, like, looks like we got us a bunch of Tobies here. Seriously. Better dress hey, Tobies hey, for hey, sure. I resent that. I am the mayor. You can't talk to me like that. Uh, you know, the funny thing is they did a whole Don Knotts spinoff to Andy Griffith's show set in Mayberry where you mm. didn't need to see the rest of the characters. I almost feel like take Mona back to Rosewood because, uh, you know, Keegan would show. It up. would make so much more sense for the other liars to leave Rosewood. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Allison echoing us is like, why do you why did you cheat? That can't keep being the answer for you, Dylan. So she says you're so bad at it. And he's like, I know it was stupid, all right, but I felt backed into a corner. Mona's like, well, you just handed Dana another huge chunk of leverage. And Dylan's like, I know, but I I physically could not play. And so he's like getting flustered. So like Ava like tags in to try to help him. And she's like, we have a plan. I'm going to use Caitlin's new friend, Jeremy's computer. And Caitlin's eyes upon hearing this are just like, I'm sorry, what? And it was just like, because it won't be traceable back to BHU. I'll hack into the portal and I'll delete the file before press. James can see it. And so she's like looking at Dylan as if to tell him it's going to be okay. And Mona's surprised, like, oh, you can do that? And he was like, yeah, of course. And Mona's like, nice. Nice that so one of you has useful skills. <laughs> why, is, why is Mona surprised here? Is she surprised that Ava specifically can do it? Or is she surprised that uh, it can be done technologically? Because... It seems like it can't be the latter, right? She's Mona. Or third option, that it can be done from Jeremy's computer. If there's a whole... You can't just go to a, I don't know, a, a computer store, like an Apple store or cyber cafe or... <laughs> I could just see the producing director be like, no. Yeah. We can't afford to yeah, go to a cyber it's, cafe. It's, I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's because we need some intrigue about Jeremy's computers. The only reason this is happening, really. Yeah. Like the technology makes no sense at all. Right. Um, Simona continues with, all right, well, you take care of that, and I will find out uh, uh, find out as much about Dana as humanly possible. Um, and Allison's like, it's not all bad news. We have another player on our side, Taylor. Um, and she says this as if she's like waiting for, I don't know, like a bigger response, and, and Ava's not so sure about this. She's like, so now we think we can trust her? And Allison's like, well, I've got serious vibes of her, and the fans sense the vibes of her and Mona, so... Yes, we're going to trust her. Um, but Caitlin vouching for her is just like, I grew up with Taylor. She loved her brother more than anything. She's back because she wants to find out who killed Nolan. Not that you've talked to her once <laughs> and would know that. But Dylan's just like, we all do. And Mona's like, you know the drill. Act normal, bitches. Until we get what we need to bring Dana down. You know your teams. You know your missions. No mistakes. No do-overs. Look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives. So she... She looks like she's given this inspirational like pep talk to this like ragtag band of losers, which she is. Who do you think 
proposed the idea of using Jeremy's laptop to begin with, Caitlin. Like, how did Ava? Ava well, no, I know in the scene she does, but like, how does Ava even know about Jeremy? Um, uh, it's a good point because they know that's her new friend because that's like the public story. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if Ava has previously seen Jeremy's laptop just chilling in Caitlin's living room. I mean, the the more likely. Or not more likely, but maybe the better explanation would be that Ava is shady and that she knows far more than she lets on. 100%. But if that's not the case, then how that's kind of a weird plot turn, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, your friend who I've never heard about. Uh, I mean, they seemingly just went public like a day ago or something. Like you already know he has a, a laptop that you can use. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, but. I know I've been talking about it for episodes now, but I'm I'm more in on Ava being in on something. Mm-hmm. It would make, it would make sense, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like the innovation of the show is that the the character who gets the narration and the flashbacks is the villain ish. Um, so credits. Uh, the new one is a very faint shot uh, of uh, Nolan kissing Ava in a flashback. Yeah, it's yeah. a very dark shot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, cut to uh, Caitlin's living room. We're looking at like a uh, computer there, doing some hacking in the console. Ava and Caitlin are sitting at a small table behind the couch. Ava's the one hacking away on Jeremy's computer here, which he just leaves around at home, I guess. Or not even his home, but Caitlin's home. Not his home, yeah. Caitlin's sitting beside her, reading a magazine, like this is a waiting room. Dylan's doing the whole like nervous pacing thing. He finally marches over leans over Ava she's working and he's like are we done are you done yet and she says you know asking if I'm asking me if I'm done every 60 seconds is actually slowing me down and Caitlin's just like "Mm mm-hmm and Dylan says slowing you down as in it's not going to work or it will eventually work or what's and Ava to Caitlin says make him stop Caitlin says so Dylan if Ava deletes your upload you're still getting an incomplete and he's like if and Ava says when obviously these no one on the show understands how email works, so I'm just just gonna let that go. I'm just gonna not address the technological side of this. Uh, so, I mean, can't you just delete an email, an unread email from a server? Yeah, but it downloads to a device. I mean, I don't know. Mm. I mean, fine, maybe you can, you know, remotely remove it. You know, then you steal the device. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, anyway. Uh, so Dylan stands up. He's a, a desperate man. He's changed in his desires by being on the brink of his own bullshit and staring over the edge. He says, I will take an incomplete. I don't care about an incomplete. I'll double up on a class next semester. This is better than being expelled. Like, why the fuck was this such a big deal last week to the point that you got into the stupid mess? I mean, I don't know. He's a sure. kid. He's dumb, I guess. But like, there's a, there's some real, like, just about turns with like Dylan in this episode where like, there were deal breakers last episode that are totally fine now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, well, like, it's also, it's just generally weird. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful there's no Andrew in this episode, but it's like, it's a big fucking deal. He got Andrew back last week. And then we have enough characters. We don't need to see Andrew this week. But you would think it would be like, I'm so happy. I'm going to take advantage of, of us being back together. It's like, no, Andrew's, who the fuck knows where Andrew well, they, is? They're at his place a couple times yeah. in this episode. Yeah. We only schedule these uh, these meetings, these incognito meetings when he's in class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where am I? Ava to Caitlin says, hey, how well do you know your new friend Jeremy? Probably not as good as Ava does. 
Uh, Caitlin mm. says, uh, why? And Amos says, well, I can access his browser to remove the upload. Uh, I just gotta let that slide. Um, but some of the files on this hard drive are like mega encrypted. And Caitlin's like, oh, and she leans in. And Amos says, super lockdown. It's pretty unusual for a personal computer. And Caitlin says, maybe he was doing some Hotchkiss work at home. And Amos says, well, if that's the case, he'd be required to use Hotchkiss encryption. This is like some sort of next level military grade security. Would she recognize Hotchkiss encryption? Uh, she's a hacker or whatever. The, none of the computers. Is that what uh, makes no any sense at all? So. What's that? Was that what Nolan was uploading to her? It's military grade encryption or there's some Hotchkiss encryption. <laughs> I don't know, but there was loads of it. Um, yeah. So Caitlin's kind of unsure what this all means. And Dylan kind of comes over sensing opportunities. Like, do you know how to use it? And she's like enough to help you. That makes no sense at all. Uh, he smiles. <laughs> Ava says, because your file has officially been, she taps a button unuploaded. Sure. Is uh, kind of doing like this halfway victory dance. There's like a fist pump in the air. He kisses Ava on top of the head. And he's like, thank you so much. Mwah. And uh, Ava giggles at this. And Caitlin kind of watches and smiles, and Ava closes the laptop. She turns to Caitlin, her tone slightly more ominous and mysterious. She says, I'd really love to know what your friend does at Hotchkiss, even though I already do. Uh, Caitlin is <laughs> trying to act normal, but with a, a normal amount of curiosity, even though she's internally imploding with curiosity now. She's like, yeah, me too. Caitlin really turns on a dime pretty quick to suspect her boyfriend as well here. So here's the Caitlin plotline this episode. What if we took Newt Scamander... Mm-hmm. Dressed him like adult Harry Potter and put him into a Melissa Hastings storyline. But like somehow watered it way down. Yeah. Uh, so you thought the lighting was interesting um, in the scene? Yeah, I don't know. I thought the lighting was interesting. Like it seemed like there was a, it was obviously like, you know, supposed to be like exterior lighting coming in, but it seemed like it was like lower, like it was earlier in the day. But like rather than just like flat TV lighting, it could be any time of day. Um, anyway, so I assume this is oh, a set, right? I presume this is a set too. So yeah. anytime the lighting is like meant to be a s- more specific time of day, it, it interests me. Mm-hmm. Um, so elsewhere, ex- exterior of the like Cochran Student Union slash it says here like University Center, probably from whatever the real location is. Um, you see, part of the union inside has a bunch of adults milling about and socializing, including Allison. We hear a man on a loudspeaker say blandly, like, welcome to faculty appreciation day. Have fun getting to know your colleagues. Uh, see, Claire Hotchkiss is like showing up with her like newly alive again daughter, Taylor. She's dropping her off at this event like she's dropping her off to fucking preschool. Like, go fun. Have fun. Go play. Claire kind of like just gently pushes Taylor off to like glad hand and like spread the, the family name. So also watching her is Allison. And once like Taylor sees Allison, you know, she makes her way. They make their way to each other. And Taylor and Allison is kind of cute, almost like excited expressions like like if you haven't seen your best friend in a while or maybe the girl you're gonna flirt with um and allison's like hi and like taylor gets up there and she's like did you miss me mm, and allison wink allison's got to be like so that's what it's like to hear that from a mysterious blonde so mm-hmm. allison kind of smiles and shrugs she's like it has been quiet <clears throat> so taylor like breaking the ice is just like so welcome to my unofficial i'm not dead party she says this in this kind of like fairly self-deprecating way. And Allison's like, I've been in your shoes. It seemingly is half of every time we talk, I tell you that. It's best to get all of the stares over with at once. How's it been with your mom? So like Tanner kind of glanced over her shoulder back at her mom, back at Allison. She's been trying really hard. She wants to take care of me almost to a fault. Claire won't leave my side. That's why I haven't been able to help you. 
however long it's been since last time I saw you. So Allison pulls her about, I don't know, like an inch closer to discuss that. And she's Takes just her like, hand. yeah, yeah. She's like, have you been able to find out anything else about the investigation about Dana Booker? And Taylor's like, my mom thinks I'm far too fragile to talk about Nolan or Dana. And Allison says, Dana's playing a dangerous game that we all know too well. But Mona has a plan. She's going to use this afternoon's speed round game to get inside Dana's head. And Taylor says, speed round? But really, she should be saying, that sounds so dumb. That sounds so dumb. Also, she used to be a teacher, right? Was she a teacher here? She teaches somewhere else. I, I just can't believe they're monopolizing the whole student union. It's not yeah. not teachers union. Student no. union, by the way, in the middle of dead week. Get the fuck out of your fucking students. faculty mixers. You got free pizza two days ago. Get the mm-hmm. fuck out. Also, TV limitations being what they are, this is clearly not the entire staff. <laughs> well, I mean, who knows? We don't. We don't know how big this college is, but yeah, probably not. Um, so Allison's this is like, all the ones that came. The rest of them were like, "Fuck that!" I have tenure. Yeah, I invite you to try to fire me. Mm-hmm. Um, so responding to Taylor's question, Allison says, it's a and a for faculty and staff, like speed dating. Ugh. Does, does it seem here? like they just, they wanted to do a speed dating yeah. g- gimmick and like yeah. it, there was no, it wouldn't fit and there's a word to it anyway. Yeah, I feel like that was on the other board that was mm-hmm. waiting to migrate to this board, yeah. Like speed dating, Mona's crafted a series of questions that are designed to get a baseline psych profile on Dana. It'll start easy and get more personal, you know, like the FBI does in the two and a half minutes they had to talk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she says this in kind of like a maybe kind of a flirty way. I mean, there's there's definitely seems like a, a mild flirtation with you. And for a second, I thought they're going to say like Mona, like design this, the whole speed dating concept thing, speed round concept, you know, mm-hmm. like where the stupid faculty mixer is like some bizarre personality test or something. That'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. It'd, It'd be make wonderful, more sense. Like, like, if the show gets canceled, that somewhere in the season finale, it's like Jeff Probst shows up and hires Mona to go design Survivor seasons mm-hmm. or something. But Taylor's like, I get it. You cannot defeat your enemies until, and then, off screen, we hear that sense finish until you know who they are. Anthony Horowitz. And Taylor turns around and there's Mona out of fucking nowhere. Um, so Mona, after they've like basked in the glory of her sudden arrival, she's like, I'm Mona. I stole your RV. That's the best line of the episode, and, by the way. Yeah. Taylor's like, Allie told me. I wasn't expecting you to be so, so short. You know, that, I guess suppose that line reminds me a little of uh, Maude Lebowski and the uh, I'm the one who stole your rug. Or mm. I think that's what she says, right? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, coitus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also, I, of course, couldn't help think of uh, whenever Dalton shows up the double deuce. And that's that's Mona. Um, I thought she'd be bigger. <laughs> so Mona almost smirks like she's totally she'll totally guess what Taylor's doing. And Allison's like, you guys are going to play nice, right? Because we're on the same team now. And the three of us need to flirt more. Um, this is like a slightly harder edge enters her voice towards the end of that sentence as if for emphasis. So Taylor kind of half smiles, turns back to Mona, puts her hand out more contrite. And she's like, nice to meet you. So Mona lets that hand float there for a moment, like makes it a point, And then she shakes it back. And off screen, we hear some guy say, Mr. De Laurentiis. And Allison's like, I'll be right back. So she walks off. And before she's even out of their peripherals, Mona just like jerks Taylor closer to get in her face. And she's like, you may be in the circle, but you'll never be in the circle. So just they don't kiss, kiss right just, after that. Just make out, yeah. But I presume she's talking about, you know, trying to get out. Well, this, this scene is such whiplash because we get like a couple of really great Mona moments. You know, I'm Mona. I stole your RV. And then, like, the, the kind of jerking her, you know, closer, like, kind of the mean, you know, grip there. And it's just like, 
you, you may never be in circle, but you'll never be in circle. And it's like, mm -hmm. ooh, this is good Mona. And then. Well, I'd say other than one storyline in which Mona's clearly bumped her fucking head, like Mona's awake and she's, she's doing shit again. And as many people pointed out in this episode to many people's frustration, Sasha Piatursa has like turned it on. Mm -hmm. Like she's, she's vibing with everyone. Um, so Mona feels confident she's made her point, made an impression. She strides away. She stops when she gets a text. It's wah, wah, wah. from Mason. And it says, where did you go? Let's play in person. So Mona seems to be wrestling with a couple of things here, but she eventually texts back. Okay. Where and when we're doing and she so smiles well, a little Mona. and walks off. We're doing yeah. so well. For all the potential characters that could be Mona's first love scene or her first physical sex scene. It's just so bizarre. Like, it's like the 180 they've attempted to do with Mason, where it's like, oh, he was actually just being an asshole because he was grieving. He's actually a great guy. It's like, what? Fuck off. I also, I feel like there could be some interesting drama in the Claire and Taylor dynamic, but we're just not getting that. Like, it's seemingly set up to be like a mystery at the end of this episode. Well, we get we get the hints that there is in, in something interesting there, and the mm -hmm. little pizzas but yeah nothing concrete yet so it's like i almost feel like okay maybe this is why taylor was so shrouded in mystery because she is the most interesting new character eh. yeah. anyway ava's place we're looking at uh, her myriad of cat figures on the dresser and there's a knock at the door she comes over and opens it and it's zach hey you want to do the lines for this one i'll be ava. sure okay hi hey it looks very dour and gloomy, yeah. Who killed your kitten? I don't have a cat. He lets himself in, just walking right into her place, and she's kind of like, what the fuck? Um, and probably about the response, though. And then Zach says, I found it a parent got 100% on the puzzle project. They set the curve so high, the entire class is furious. It was probably the twins. I swear they use mind tricks to finish each other's sentences. It's really unfair that they were even paired together to begin with. Man, Cindy and Mindy on the show, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Zach finds it's cute that, that that tangent has gotten her so wound up. And he's like, Ava, it was us. Us? As in you and me, us? Um, she says that cute little back and forth finger thing. And he's just like, we did it. And I hear the twins are totally at each other's throats about it. Uh, yeah, we need to see these twins. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> now they're the most new, interesting new characters. Ava says, oh, my God. <laughs> Zeva for the win. And she high fives. Zeva? Yeah, like hashtag Zeva. Like when Brangelina was a thing. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you how much that breakup shook me. I was so not prepared for that. Yeah. Um. Also, this actor is like 17. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think he kind of pauses like, why are you comparing us to Brangelina? Yeah. Also, like, really, how old were you, Ava, when Brangelina was a thing? Um, Good question. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, I was 10. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so like that PLL like love music, that like love theme, I guess, starts. Mm -hmm. um, like it might also be like a, a commercial where you daughter tells their mother, I don't feel fresh down there anymore. Um, so he glances over to another wall and starts like walking towards her like wall art there. And he says, uh, huh, I would not have pegged you as a cat person. It's like, dude, she's a human cat. Come on. 
Don't tell me you hate cats. If you hate cats, this is going to be a problem. And we're going to have to start this thing all over. Yeah, he turns back. He's kind of really digging her now. And he's just like, I don't want to start back at square one of you. So I'm just going to lie and say that I like cats. How do you really feel? I like cats. And if he kind of laughs and some real snorts in there, Zach's digging it. Nice laugh, Jalali. Ava kind of reflects on that. And then, uh-oh, there's a case of flashbackies coming on. Flashback. Mm. So, so we kind of fade to white and then a new flashback. We hear like the dis- distant sound of a church bell that will take us into the like this like park area. I think this might be out in front of the mansion. His mansion. Okay. I'm not totally sure. Um, what the fuck knows? <laughs> I, I suspect that these flashbacks happen because it was Christmas when they were filming. I don't know, or, or maybe just a happy accident because like this would have been like the holidays. Um, mm. Yeah, there's somewhere with like some Christmas lights on various trees and stuff. Uh, Nolan is dressed all in black. His hair is different. Uh, Ava's dressed all in white. And uh, it's got their arms around each other. And Ava says, you know, when they warned me, you'd be the only person here over winter break. They were not kidding. Thank you for staying with me. I know you gave up a weekend in the Alps. I'm sure some other people stayed. Uh, yeah, he says, Ava, I didn't give anything up. I'm exactly where I want to be. I am too. She leans uh, her face into his shoulder for a moment. Well, I know you want a white Christmas. I'm sorry I couldn't make that happen for you. It's okay. I'm not really celebrating this year, remember? I'm not sure if I can return the partridges in a pear tree or the two turtle dogs. She stops him. Oh, uh, wait. Did you just say two turtle dogs? Yeah, Why? She snorts and laughs some more. Real dorkable. And he's like, wow. What? I love your laugh, Jalali. Yeah, takes her face in his hand and pulls her in for a romantic kiss. And they practically ask Mo kiss at the end here. And yeah, there's, like, there's, some, there's, some, there's some real free will in Bob Dylan body language here. Uh, also, again, Chris Mason, bring in that chaotic young Jack Nicholson energy. Like I want to see him do monologues from Carnal Knowledge. Is this... The second flash? I can't. I lost track. Have, have we had another flashback of him before this? The only time we've seen him before was like a flashback to the pilot. That's when right. He yeah. Talks to Taylor. Yeah. 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 This is the first real flashback we get to him in episode eight. So back to Ava's room. Uh, kind of, he was like caressing the side of her own face now, like head swaying back and forth as she's just like totally fugued out in the moment right in front of Zach. <laughs> like she's just been kissing the air in front of yeah. him. And he's like, Ava, Ava, we should head to class, yeah? Yeah, kind of Ava snaps that, that back out of it, and uh, Zach goes over to her door and opens it. Hashtag Zava. Uh, the smile kind of fades on Ava, and now we see she feels guilty about, you know, revisiting that Nolan memory from having never moved on from the, the halcyon romantic perfection that was truly Nolan Hotchkiss or whatever. I mean, maybe once upon a time it wasn't just about the sex and he wasn't suddenly bored of her. Uh, anyway, she feels bad now. Uh, she looks down, making minimal eye contact with Zach, and she seems very withdrawn and compared to a moment before. You know, she's just making out in the air in front of this boy, and she says, "Actually, there's something I forgot I should do. I should probably do so. Um, can you just go ahead, and I'll I'll catch up." Okay. Oh, okay. I'll see you there then. Yeah. And kind of glances back as he's walking out, like hoping to see some kind of positive sign from her, but nope, she's gone. The the light has gone out in her eyes. Uh, once she's alone, she kind of sits on the edge of her bed, contemplating all these new feelings of guilt. 
And he was just thinking, where the fuck are my red solo cups? Mm-hmm. So it was just a lapse in order. So if that's you out there, just shout it out. Just get on, get on social media and let us know that you're a lapse in order. Or don't. Um, so over the end of that previous scene, we hear the beginning of some cello. Now we're in the office of the infamous Professor James. Um, on one hand, I feel like this dude looks like he'd actually absolutely be teaching acoustical engineering in a school outside of Portland. On the other hand, like this guy's like he could be a Hector Lyme's normal brother. Uh, or half-brother, maybe. Uh, normal-ish. So anyways, yeah. Normal-ish, yeah. Well, compared to Hector Lyme. <laughs> I just want your Hector's just like you sound. have your art, I have mine. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Anyway, Professor James is at his like desk, like listening to Dylan's music on headphones, just like rocking out or whatever the cello equivalent that is. And again, the nice thing is that there's like a window in this guy's office. So outside we can see what's clearly like a campus. Um feels like it's happening in a real room adjacent to a semi-real world. Um, then we ruin that by having Dylan walk in, like lean his head in the thing. And um, there's also the beacon guard box in the corner there. So Professor James sees him and gets excited, takes off his headphones. He's like, Mr. Walker, so glad you stopped by. And Dylan's like, you are? And Professor James is like, your submission. Um, and then he starts like, boom, 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 you know, like scattering yeah. as the close captions told me. Um, and Dylan's like, you got my submission. And he sees that like Professor James' headphones are connected to his phone. The file's indeed playing there on the phone. And it's like, oh, shit, that's how email works. Yeah. Professor James is like, I can't stop listening to it. I'm submitting you to the Davis Concerto competition. The winner's work always goes viral. By this time next year, you could be world famous. Big smile. Like, I don't know why you need to tell you all that in a huge burst of text. Um, Dylan's like freaking out, trying to keep it cool. He's like, "Uh, I I don't know what to say. Professor James is like, don't say anything. Just keep playing. He's so excited. It's like Dylan turns to leave as he walks out. Like smile fades, like a freak out Hannah face. Um, I think I made the note in my my notes that like the detail I like on PLO is whenever character ends up in this situation. Not that the scene is like great, but it's like Dylan has to act normal, and he's like still coming off exactly to the other person like he would be in that situation. I don't know different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is different ways. The problem here is that like. We've done this before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Golden Orchid. I mean, come on. I mean, I assume since Ashley Benson was also shadowing on this episode, she could be like, let's let's talk about Hannah Face. Let's talk about what you're not doing. Like, hey, this this all seems very familiar. Yeah. Well, let's talk about why you should go see her smell now out on VOD. But yeah, I, I don't know why they continue to reuse PLL plot lines. It's odd. I don't know if there's a some sort of actual reason for that or that they like, is the reason that, like, they think we'll like it? <laughs> or is it some sort of thematic thing where, like, it's intentional that this is so reminiscent of so many PLL plot lines over the years because there's a big reveal coming that's going to make it make sense? I don't know. I mean, PLL's got, always gone back and forth in a lot of places. Like, there's, a, there's, like, a serious theme in PLL about, like, how shitty men are. And then at the same time it's strongly implied that like what these girls need is a man or, or a significant other to like complete their lives there and lies the problems. I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the warring, warring goals among the writer's room. Let's put it that way. Or, or perhaps mm. between the, you know, the writer's room and the network or something. Mm. Like wanting to actually kill off Ezra and then not mm-hmm. being able to. Yeah. 
so anyway, after commercial, we're back. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine Ian Harding just like Kilo got renewed for another season? He's just like dislike on social media. <laughs> this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> so the projects I want to do. <laughs> like that one where he's like a porn producer with uh, Luna Lovegood. Yeah. Uh, or just, you know, books, books, essays about birds. Mm-hmm. So Caitlin's a lunar. Uh, suddenly Caitlin and her boyfriend are here all the time. I mean, I guess they couldn't like build this set until like episode seven or something. Uh, so we start on. Remember, shot. What permit, though? remember what? When he had an apartment. I mean, I, I guess that's probably a location just for the pilot, you know, because mm. we, we haven't been there since. Yeah. Uh, so we started on a shot on a laptop, kind of reminding us of what the important detail in the scene is, and kind of pull back to see them are both on the couch. He's uh, he's just really going the full Harry Potter here, just like adult. And these aren't quite Harry Potter glasses, but they are close. But they they're play. they're fairly round. Yeah, they're but definitely reminiscent. You think about it as soon as you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's you know some sex jam playing on the, the radio there, or I don't know if it's diegetic or not, but we hear some music as uh. They're just like studying or something. I don't know what he's doing. Work stuff. Yeah. Uh, the line from the song is, uh, get me so spiritual laying here vertical. Okay. Mm. Caitlin says, you seem busier than usual. Wait, is that like a boner reference? <laughs> laying here vertical. Mm. I don't know. I mean, you're trying to study. You got your hog resting against your stomach. I don't know, man. I don't know. She says, you seem busier than usual. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just thinking of jokes I'm not making. Uh, <laughs> you make some You make some uh, choice ones later on. Oh, I, yeah. I have to entertain myself somehow while I'm doing my notes. Uh, anyway. There's like, a, like an angry, horny energy to your notes later. <laughs> like you're having hate sex with the show at that point. <laughs> How's the rocket scientist business? Does she actually say he actually say that or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeremy chuckles and says, you know what I do is boring. I, I just, I don't have an accent today, so I'm not going to try. Uh, okay. I educate employees on how to use proprietary software, not sending people to Mars. It's like, you're right, Jeremy, that does sound boring. So he's like writing on a pad of paper in his lap and she kind of refers over to his laptop and t- in front of them. It's like, must be a lot of secrets on that thing. Jesus Christ, Caitlin. <laughs> he's like, no, not at all. That's my personal computer. Don't really use it. Whoa, there you go. That's yeah. an accent. You're like, you're like, um, fucking like Malfoy third cousin there. <laughs> Get me so spiritual laying here vertical. I'm 15 inches laying down. Whoa. Wait, my father hears of this. So Caitlin's like, so why do you need it? Jesus, like, you're just not subtle at all. And he kind of looks over at her, like trying to be nice about it. It's obviously like, well, this is fucking pointed and weird, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're not pulling it off, Caitlin, whatever you think you're doing. And he's just like, Kate, what's going on? Why the sudden interest in my job and my laptop? And she's like, no reason. Mm. Uh, then she's interrupted by uh, his phone ring and he kind of checks it, sees he's calling and kind of whispers to her like, just going to take this outside. And he kind of gets up and goes outside and really have to watch him just like get up, walk around the whole room, go outside and like close the door before he answers. So it's like, ooh, he's suspicious all of a sudden. Yeah. What's weird is that like before this, I feel like the they were fairly subtle about just mm-hmm. like framing him sometimes to seem perhaps more sinister than he is, but they they mm-hmm. really go over the top in this episode. Well, it's like now, now they're actually writing it in that direction. It's not yeah. just like camera work or, 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 or I think it just didn't feel quite organic enough with the whole, like 
he's got military grade encryption on this laptop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also this guy, this actor, sometimes for fun, I like to imagine him dressed up like all other normal British people, like in Victorian garb, mm-hmm. um, which makes their relationship so weird to me. Cause there's gotta be like a, you know, not a huge, but I'd say like a significant age difference. Yeah, just a couple of years. He's t- like he he like, has a, like a professional job. divide. Yeah, like professional divide between yeah. them. Um, it's not like so, she's a grad student; she's a sophomore. Yeah. So here we go. Here's the fucking gauntlet. Uh, <clears throat> student union. It's time for faculty speed dating. Uh, ding! Someone hits one of those bells like you would hit for service at like a counter. Only it's like huge. Um, so I feel like it's a different sound effect for the thing that they're actually hitting. But so. Of all the fact members who've shown up, which is like maybe 30 people, they're paired with another member of the staff at different tables, those little round tables like where we see them. seconds. Yeah, for like, like two minutes tops. And they'll be moving around. So half of them will stay in their spot and the other half will move around for these like kind of Aaron Brockovich-esque montage things. So first up is Allison talking to an older professor. She's leaning in, squinting a little, trying to make out his name on the name tag. Uh, we see that she's wearing one as well. And he's, she's like, Professor Zangularity? Is that right? Zan- Zangularity? <laughs> Ding, moving on. Yeah, which, the fuck? Like, <laughs> the name is also one half a Street Fighter character name and one half the Zima version, the Singularity. Uh, so then Ooh, we get to Mona. Singularity. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> What's your Singularity? <laughs> oh, my God. We were so old that we get Zima jokes and no one else in this audience ever will. <laughs> you had it not recently but you've had i think it i saw it yeah i had so i think the first time i ever really drank it was zima i drank like a six pack while watching lost in translation for the first time and didn't really feel anything because it's pretty lightweight hmm. it's like malt liquor though right yeah okay so now except is mona talking to some dude and she's like you're from pennsylvania I'm from Rosewood. LOL. That's so funny. Well, what we don't see is that guy then bolts out of the room in terror. That like, or he's oh, like, fuck. It's you. That or he's like, yeah, I'm from Ravenswood. <laughs> Spits up a toad. So ding. You get another effect where like half participants like stay seated and the other switch their tables. And it's like fast forward. with like the kind of like fast forward sound effect. So we see another lady whom Allison's like meeting with and Allison's like, Professor Wagner, psychology. And they shake hands. There's also this thing where apparently people are sitting down and rather than saying their own name, you have, you have to, to read, read it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they can't have lines because they'd have to pay them for it. I assume. Yeah. So over at Mona's table, um, she's talking to someone and she's like, yeah, no, it's pronounced Vanderwall. Yeah. The second A is silent. Um, <laughs> Cause I killed her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heads up to Reddit for that joke. I can't remember who it was on Reddit, but uh, yeah. Second A is silent because Mona killed her. Yeah. Uh, The greatest day of your life sitting at Mona's table, meeting the creator herself, and you managed to mispronounce her name. Yeah, you're dead. Um, Ding. Another flash forward, new pairings. We see Allison's face. She's having another clearly miserable conversation. She's like, oh, wow. I didn't know that pocket squares were so intricate. Ding. This sounds awful. Yeah, stay on Allison, just kind of her side of the conversation. Nine children. And she reacts like, well, that sucks for you. Yeah, I, I ditched my two. Yeah, I had the shit out too. Ding. See, Allison just like rubbing her face and the toll is like, like force work bullshit that's taken on her. And this dude comes over and sits at her table. And it's shot in that kind of like tall, dark stranger way where like we stay behind him and see her reaction as she lights up. Um, it's not quite right. I think I made the, the jokey reference to it's like when George Clooney walks up to JLo's table. Uh, in out of sight. Instead, it's this fucking cheese ball. 
Professor Gabriel. Uh, he says, hola, Alison de Laurentiis, Gabriel Evaristo, professor of language studies, on loan from the University of Buenos Aires. That's my entire whole life story, minus mm-hmm. one detail. Um, Alison, like, lights up. He's, he's also got a real, uh, what's that character's name in Judge, or not Judge Dredd, uh, Club Dredd. Is it Juan, the guy who fucked the goat? I don't remember. It's been anyway, a while. he's doing that accent. I only remember Putman from that show, mm. that movie. <laughs> you pick a dilly Um, So Allison lights up and she's like, um, and she like tries to speak some Spanish to him, which we will see is translated as, I know an Argentine baker who makes all his cakes without condoms, which is how I prefer my cakes. And she kind of giggles, like kind of loving, like, like I tried that, thinking it went well. Meanwhile, this is the best part of the episode with, with this guy. Where he's just like, oh, shit. Like, oh, Jesus. And she's just like, I'm learning Spanish on an app. How did I do? And he's just like, I think you need to try another app. And she's like, what did I say? And he's like, what do you think you said? I, I just wish one of us could do a really good Banderas right now, you know. What do you think you said? Yeah. No, no, no too sexy. She's like, I know an Argentine baker who bakes fat preservatives. I'm going to try it now. <clears throat> ah, I get it now. So from his reaction, she gets that. What she well, said. So must have had some LOLs I, guess I guess then she may, maybe said like prophylactic instead of preservative or something like that. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, so she laughs and she's like, I don't think I want to know what I said. And the bell dings and the other people are shuffling their table. So you get a sense from these two that they don't really want to separate yet. And Alice like definitely turning on the flirt lights of this dude. And he's, he leans in a little. He's like, I think you need a tutor, not an app. But he's cheesier, though. Like Banderas doesn't. Oh make yeah, sense. he he doesn't yeah. have the the slickness at all. Like yeah, um, and she's like, maybe I do. Uh, but imagine this actor like, you take a role and you're just like, hey man, you're gonna you're gonna have like a little chemistry read. You're gonna do like a little mini romance for one episode of like one of our stars. Uh, this show has very engaged fans, like a lot of social media presence. We're gonna do a like a like a Instagram video of you and the star. She's gonna introduce you to the fandom. It's all just gonna be like puppies and ice cream and butterflies and euphemisms for sex. After that, everyone will be fine. No one will hate it. I'm surprised Emerson fans haven't like found where this guy lives and like torched the place. I mean, anyway. they shouldn't. It's not his fault or anything. But no, yeah, no, and, and yeah, this is not the source of your issues. Mm. This guy's just cheesy um meanwhile over at mona's table mona's like feeling the bullshit work blues as well and she glances over watching booker on their table watching as booker's like leaning in to read someone's name tag as well once again what the fuck is this thing just like is it like part of the rules like you're not allowed to say your own fucking name make people read your name um so then taylor sits down at mona's table and the heat turns up a few degrees and mona for a little harder edge is like why are you playing taylor's like i'm here and i'm a hotchkiss here take my phone she pulls out her phone, slides it over to Mona. Mona's unimpressed. And she's like, I have a phone. I have thousands of phones. I have that fucking thing that Morgan Freeman built in the dark night. So Taylor undeterred is like, it's loaded with a built-in voice stress analyzer. So Could she it be runs like from- loaded with something else? Like, is there an ulterior motive here? I don't know. Like ringtones? Yes. No, like, I don't know. Like, you know how like Mona slipped like Hannah, like a, a loaded phone Yeah, yeah. at one time? Or she's well, like blue jacking her right now or something. I would be upset if it wasn't because otherwise what scenario are you like take custody of my phone for yeah, half a day as if yeah i'd rather give you my phone is like oh cool send me the app <laughs> seriously mona's like is it this one or this one i have seven on my phone mm-hmm. i'm mona god damn it i'm mona 
So um, she runs her finger over of the phone, waking up, showing the stress analyzer program, which also records the audio. Mona's like, Dana's not going to lie to me. I'm asking her simple, non-threatening questions today, which you're really not going to. And Taylor's like, I get it. But if we can prove when she's telling the truth, then we can also prove when she's lying down the line. So Mona follows that reasoning and she's like, because sometimes the truth is more telling than a lie. A truth detector. And like Taylor's like leaning and enjoying this. And she's like, who's in the circle now? And it's like, get in each other's circles, ladies. Ding. Ding. Um, so it Taylor doesn't gets, seem like they really need this quote unquote truth detector, but sure. Fine. Whatever. No, truth it up. Uh, so Taylor gets up, switch tables and makes my eyes at Mona before she goes. And it's like, I can't tell which we're supposed to feel more. The Taylor Mona vibes. Is that just something we wanted? So we're projecting it or like the Taylor Allison. I mean, vibe? maybe part of it is just that like, these are three fairly engaging actors and characters. Yeah. And they seem more active in the plot. To some extent. And so it's like, oh, can we just stay with them? So that's a pretty reasonable thought. Let me make it worse. So if you have the three characters hook up, would it basically just be like a thruple? Mona, Mona and Allison hooking up, and then they go back in time and get like another Allison and like bring her into the mix? Mm, a 4G. Yeah. Ooh, time travel 4G. Um, <laughs> coming to the Netflix. So um, the, also the music in this scene is like, generic dvd menu music that you fell asleep to from like 15 years ago um so mona steals herself up for the arrival of dana booker she has recorded that stress analyzer program on taylor's phone dana comes over and sits down across from her like they're it's like, it's like a fucking beckett play like they're two warriors who have like like long had the prophecy that one of them would die each other's hands and maybe today's that day and they're so weary so just past Dana, you can also see Taylor at another table talking with someone, and she's just like light and bubbly and just seems so great. But just, it, it seems performative. Even yeah. in the background there, it seems like she's kind of pretending to be light and bubbly, but may not actually be feeling that way, you know? I'm just saying, whatever the room is, if Haley Aaron's in the room, I feel like my attention will just keep gradually drifting in that direction. Um, so, like, Dana, weary with the knowledge of her opponent here, it's just like, the games begin. So Mona kind of smiles, sensing the same thing as Dana, but she's chipper about diving into this shit. Because Mona... She's like, what's your favorite color? Dana's like, blue. Why did you bring Allison to Beacon Heights? Mona's like, I didn't. Miss Hotchkiss did. If you could meet one historical figure, who would it be? Dana's like, why do you care? Mona, she's into this thing. and She's like, you can't answer a question with a question. Didn't you hear the rules? Dana sighs, and she's like, Amelia Earhart. After she went missing, Mona's like, of course, basic. Dana's like, where's your safe place? Mona's like, if I told you, it wouldn't be safe anymore. Why'd you go into law enforcement? Why does she ask her, where's your safe place? Presumably all the people in that room at the end of the pilot would work for Dana now, right? Or she'd have access to that project? Maybe. I mean, is that where Jeremy also works? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. So why'd you in law enforcement? Dana says, my younger sister was bullied in high school. She killed herself. Bullies got away with it. It's so not Mona's Shauna, like, theorist. It's not Shauna. Come on. Yeah. Um, Mona's kind of like affected by that, but she shakes it off. And she's like, bullies. Isn't it funny how sometimes we become the thing we hate? And that kind of hits Dana hard. Like, bell dings, but like, this kind of like cold look. Like, she's like she's she's got a wound in there. Like, Dana gets up and leaves. Mona pulls up that phone, like hits the stop button on it. We see the waveform of the recorded stuff, and it's like recorded stress here and there and made markers and blah, blah, blah. 
So Allison comes over and sits at Mona's table, and she's like, did we get what we need? And Mona's like, it's a star, and they share a sure. smile. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, remember when Allison passed a lie detector, like, way back in high school before she, like, did hard prison time? Because she was also, like, fucking a cop. Yeah, Cyrus Petrillo has her, like, designated patsy. Well, Cyrus Petrillo, but when she was, like, uh, what's his name? Um, Tanner's partner? No, I know a Holden. Or Holbrook, yeah. But the whole thing where she has, like, hired Cyrus Petrillo, or not hired, but, like, she's forcing him to take the rap. Yeah, Yeah, there's that. But, I mean, the lie detector is before Mona was fake killed. That's what gets... uh, That's right around the same time. Like, Cyrus Petrillo is there in, like, S5E10, the dark alley. Anyway. Are you sure? Yeah. But he first shows up, and they have to let him go. That's all Tanner, though. That's not Holbrook. No, he's around for some of that. Meanwhile, in a darker, gloomier world. So I'm talking about season five, episode 12. It's the very beginning of the episode. Yeah, but earlier earlier than that, Cyrus Petrillo shows up. He's in S5. No, Cyrus Petrillo is in 5B. I'm talking about 5A. I'm sorry. He's in 5A, too. Okay. I'm making making Cyrus Petrillo hands at you. He is. I'm sorry. Making hands at you. Not lying. Okay. So uh, let's just talk about PLO. I know. <laughs> in season five, I think the second half was a little bit of a mis- mixed bag there. I think that was when he got like the, the fucking uh, barrel and all that shit, you know? Uh, yeah, but I, I really feel like what they had with 5A with Allie was just right. You know, mm-hmm. it was like she was still, she was still Allie. It was like, okay, she's back and she's actually functioning on the show now, even though she's still being weird and mysterious. And she could have these tender moments here and there, but like she kept that mysterious vibe. She hadn't gotten hit on the head with like a toilet yet and like lost her personality. The fact that they kill what we think is a in the premiere of season five, I I feel like I was just on the fucking edge of my seat. And Mm -hmm. so then we get four episodes of like very interesting, like psychological study of these like teenage monsters and then episode 100, holy shit. Like, that's yeah. the fucking masterpiece. Um, what a good show. I don't remember where we put that on our on our, our top I could bajillions. probably up and tell you. But yeah, the, the, all the texts, you know, phones going off at once from the text at the end of that episode. It's just, what a moment. Yeah, yeah. Anywho. Meanwhile, in a darker and gloomier world. <laughs> yeah, there's just like a big saddle filter over this whole scene. <laughs> My, my my theory is that off screen, Ava's been bit by a vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she opens the door and there's uh, Zach out there and seems a little disturbed by this Ava. And he's like, hey, you never showed up to class. What happened? You OK? And she just stares at him for a moment and like takes a sip from her red solo <laughs> cup. Like, isn't it obvious what happened? It's such uh, a move. Yeah, she's back in her in Hotchkiss shirt there. Uh, yeah, she's definitely like playing this like she used to be happy and full of life, but now she's been bit by a vampire, which wouldn't be the worst thing for the show. Uh, mm. And Zach says, earlier you seemed happy. What changed? And Dark Ava says, well, you reminded me of someone I lost. And she steps back into her place, kind of allowing him in, does little spin arounds. So we can definitely see she's got the uh, Hotchkiss shirt on there. And she holds up her red solo cup and she's like, drink. And he steps inside trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. He's like, I'm only 17. <laughs> Why do you have Nolan's shirt? She's like, because I didn't have anything else to wear the first time I stayed over. That doesn't make any sense, but sure. Uh, and Zach says, 
Oh. Well, but it's it everything in this scene is like so coded to like let this guy know what the oh, fuck. Oh yeah, is. he he definitely knows what's up. It's just like he stayed over at Nolan Hotchkiss fancy rich boy's place and he had one shirt for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach said, "Oh, I thought he and Caitlin were a thing." Dark Ava and and Hannah and Caleb were just like, "It's complicated. How dare you?" Uh, even more than I thought. I guess that's a reference to to Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and Zach says you want to talk about it, and she's like, "I can't." And there's just kind of like this nonverbal moment that they share, and just making basically making sure that he feels this place that she's in right now. And it, it's just kind of like after a while, he's like, "Sorry for your loss," and just kind of backs the fuck out of there. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, I s- stepped in a bear trap. I'm just gonna politely leave." Uh, so rather than respond, she just takes another sip of her drink, just kind of letting him know that she'd rather drink from the uh, plastic pain goblet here. So he pieces out. And we see Ava just processing all this with her drink. And the song is saying, feels like I'm in too deep. And when the darkness pulls me down, the whispers get too loud. The silence is so far. Wait. And we're just in the doorway watching her. Ava kind of rushes to the open door. Uh, possibly... You can, can tell what kind of person you are if you thought for a moment that she might run after him or try to say something even in a futile manner. But no, she just slams the door shut because that's what mm-hmm. Ava does. She drinks and she knows things and she slams doors shut. Can I do like a, a, a stupid TV info dump here? If you'd like. Uh, so the song is called Keep It Quiet by Natalie Taylor. Uh, Natalie Taylor is one of those artists who seems to specialize solely in moody modern covers for TV shows, including covers of Jumper and Iris for CW's Roswell, New Mexico, which I just found out is actually called Roswell, New Mexico, not just Roswell. Uh, she's done songs on shows like Lucifer, The Fosters, The Shannara Chronicles on NTV, Deception, Grownish, and NBC's World Dance. Um, I bring this up here because this Natalie Taylor song is used here in this Dark Ava scene. Previously, it had been used in episode two. It was Jeremy and Caitlin's song, not, not this song, but another Natalie Taylor song. That was their song, which I thought was, I don't know. And so she's probably on like the Warner label or something, right? Yeah. But I mean, like there's something interesting and it's like, okay, every time we have Dylan do cello stuff, we'll have him mostly do like Lady Gaga covers or if we have a cello show up, it's like, I would think you'd want to try to stick an artist to a certain pairing of characters if you're going to do that. But no, they just have, yeah, it's like some kind of like free reign to use her, um, in this song, which is kind of generic. Uh, so Dylan's door apartment. Dylan comes in, sets his bag down on a hook right there by the door. Uh, off screen, we hear Dana Booker say, nice view. Dylan turns around because, oh, shit. Uh, Dana Booker's in his place over by the window. And she's like, I let myself in. I hope you don't mind. Kidding. I actually don't care if you mind. You know, he should mind. I, I don't think even the head of security can just go fucking walking into students' rooms when they're not there constantly. Like, that's a problem. Uh, not without cause. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, I, I'll give it to the show because it's like, is this really a conversation we need to have? <laughs> like, he, he I, It should have happened also- a while ago, but like, yeah. they've never addressed this. Is the thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at this point, it's like, he knows it's wrong. She doesn't care. She just said she doesn't care. So he's like, what do you want? And she's like, I know about your injury and that you can't play right now, but congrats on your original recording and being submitted to the, the Davis Concerto competition i almost apparently wrote dre davis concerto competition oh if only oh, sarah just... sarah harvey come and save us you, you weren't really dead you faked it but she's got a sister who's also named sarah and also likes taking showers and all inside jokes apply oh my god if they cast dre davis and they were just like fuck it 
She's playing Bethany Young. <laughs> you happy now? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel like half the fans would just be like, okay. <laughs> and I would be like, fuck yes. Um, so Dylan, just how, how did you, you know, if your uh, show uh, was just, just Dre Davis, Sasha, Janelle, and uh, Taylor there, that'd be, that'd be a show. It'd be an interesting show. Oh, fuck yeah. Bad girls. Mm-hmm. Bad girls of the Pacific Northwest. And Dylan's like, how did you, uh, and she's like, campus doctor, beacon guard, full access, remember. Yeah, that's, like, that's still a HIPAA violation. You can't do that. And he's like, oh, right, that part of the show that we all seem to keep ignoring as hard as we can. And she's like, you're drowning, and I'm here to offer you a lifeline. And he's like almost laughing at that. And he's just like, why should I trust you? And she's like, because you don't have a choice. Um, I just need you to do one, one thing, and it all goes away. Tell me where Allison, Ava, and Caitlin were the night Noel was killed. And he's like, why don't you think it was me anymore? And she's like, because I've been watching you. You could never stand up to no one. You don't fight back. Uh, you haven't got it in you. And he's like, so when you say that this all goes away, she's like, I wiped the slate clean. I'll take care of Professor James. Watch out, buddy. He'll never know that it wasn't your recording. You won't be expelled. And because you're the one I actually like, I'll throw you an ironclad alibi. And I'll make sure your friends never know it was you who ratted them out. So he's like processing, processing, processing. She's like, think it over. And she lets herself out and he makes, I don't know, kind of hand of face. Yeah. Yeah. He's seen a lot of that. So the whole time you're reading that, I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, we get Trey Davis. Maybe we get uh, mm-hmm, my, mm-hmm. my dude, Eddie Lamb back in there. Yes. And uh, who went to, he went to Agent Carter and then went where? Yeah, I know. Where is that dude? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just like in my mind thinking, how else could they have done this? Okay. Because like, uh, I, I'm loving it because Eddie Lamb would know Mona. You know, he wouldn't yeah. know Alan. He's still working. Mona. He could work at like the campus hospital or something, oh, you know? I mean, he went and got like, it's whatever. It's been enough time. He went and got a fucking teaching degree. He's teaching there now. Sure. Yeah, it seems like one of these kids should be pre-med if they're also perfectiony, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway after the commercial we're back in caitlin's living room it's darker in there now Uh, ava just brought a cloud with her yeah ava's sitting at the uh, round table behind the couch now Uh, she's in a sweater rubbing her forehead and caitlin comes over with a mug of coffee uh, for both of them and says here you go and ava's like thank you and caitlin's like yeah Caitlin's phone beeps and Ava goes, Dylan? And Caitlin says, no, he still hasn't responded to my text. And Ava says, why did you want to see us? I sobered up for you. And Caitlin says, why were you drinking again? Ava kind of has a small laugh and she's like, you first. And Caitlin says, my new friend, Jeremy, he's not my new friend. We've been seeing each other for almost a year. A year? Uh, Ava says, you and the British guy? And Caitlin says, yeah, we started dating when you and Nolan started seeing each other. And it was like, a year? How did you swing that? Caitlin says, we've had a lot of car dates. Something that the Toyota Corolla really seems made for. It's a great product. Like, question, can Jeremy drive? And on the wrong side of the road, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just the year thing. It just it sticks in my craw. Yeah. For a whole year. You were dating someone who was pretending to date someone else the whole time. And you were just like, this is fine. It's the car dates that also gets me. Like, 
if you're young, I mean, car dates happen because you're both young and you don't have anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. He has a very nice, he's got a fuck flat, bad, man. And he's got a fuck flat. Um, also at a certain point, you really just age the fuck out of like car sex as hard as possible. Yeah. Yeah. When you have a place you can go. Yeah. 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 You're like, we can still have hot, wild, impromptu sex, but it can be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, can, we can just go watch Netflix, you know? I, I know it sucks that we can't go out to dinner, but still, yeah, yeah. we yeah, can yeah. order in. Yeah, I mean, you can still, you can go out to have a nice dinner. You can, like, slip out into the alleyway, like, fuck up against a wall, give each other handies in wild places. You don't have to have car sex, unless that's just the power of the Toyota Corolla. Yeah. Sometimes when I get in that thing, I just get like gushy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was says, but you couldn't break up with Nolan because he's blackmailing you. And Caitlin kind of does a hard swallow and says, one of my moms is having an affair and Nolan had pictures. I'm just spilling this to you now, kind of casually in the middle of the scene. And I Ava, forgot that we hadn't told each other. <laughs> yeah. Ava says, wow, I'm sorry. I looked the other way for a fucking year. That was weird. Uh, I didn't know Nolan was such a jerk to you. You probably wonder why I loved him. And Caitlin's like, not just me. The audience is wondering that too. Let actually, me give you some no, we're, we're on to it. We know you're, we know you're lying. Uh, <laughs> we know it's all put on. Caitlin says, there was a time when Nolan actually cared about me. I know what that side of him looks like. Ava says, he made me forget that I was alone. And Caitlin says, you got the best of him. And Ava smiles and then Caitlin says, your turn. So it kind of takes a moment before starting down this path of her emotional truth here. And she says, this guy made me laugh today. Like Nolan used to make me laugh. Caitlin's like, and that's bad. And Ava says, it just kind of snuck up on me. And it felt awful, like I was betraying Nolan. Caitlin says, okay, so you like this guy? And Ava says, I don't know, maybe. Uh, yeah, she does kind of have a nice meet cute with this guy where her dad ruined his family's financial well-being and then he was a dick to her at the fashion show. And that's a story for the grandkids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caitlin says, Nolan would want you to be happy. And she kind of reaches over and takes Ava's hand, gives it a squeeze and says, you have to know that. Neva takes her hand too and says, thank you. You know, I really am enjoying this warm and fuzzy truth talk, but why tell me about Jeremy now? And Caitlin says, because I need somebody to talk to. And you were so right about Jeremy's computer. He says he hardly uses it. So why lock it up like Fort Knox? Jesus, she's nosy. And Neva says, did you ask him? And Caitlin says, he would not give me a straight answer, which is so not like Jeremy. He's keeping something from me. And Ava says, like, what? Caitlin says, I don't know, but I need to find out. Uh, now it's Ava's phone that beeps. She checks it. And Caitlin leans over and Caitlin says, Dylan. And Ava says, yeah, he says to meet at the quad. And they kind of share this look between the two of them. Like, oh, um, so you like this scene? I mean, I, on the whole, but this is like the first time I really had a scene in a yeah, long time. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, part of me was like, oh, I'd love to have a scene following this where they like, don't talk about men or their love lives. But then yeah. I was like, does PLO ever really pass the Bechdel test? I mean, it it's a TV show. Of course it does. It's hard not to, you know, but. Because, um, I mean, it's it's part of the nature of the show. And it's like, like part of the PLO friendships, at least at the beginning of the show, was these these women could support each other as they, like, had a sounding board about their mm-hmm. love lives. And then it was also could be stories about, like, the baker that your mom was now fucking. Yeah. I think <laughs> or why dad might have been. Involving yeah. your teenage friend. I can't remember who it was that was texting us about this on Twitter, talking about how like Riverdale for all its faults, like the uh, Betty Jughead relationship, like they definitely have like a little bit of a Han and Caleb vibe where it's like they're together, 
but they can still go do interesting stuff. Like they can go on like away missions and shit, you know, like they can go investigate mm-hmm. shit or, or be apart from each other doing stuff. And there isn't that constant like shipper need for something to be happening between them, you know? Oh, there kind of is though. I stopped like, watching the show in season one. So I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. And like a macro sense though, like there, mm-hmm. there constantly was that. Um, so now I'm just picturing if Caleb was like, because I'm weird. All right. It'll I'm a weirdo. I'm, <laughs> I'm weird. wearing, I'm weird. <laughs> I have this haircut and this leather jacket. That's weird. <laughs> um, so in the quad. God damn those serpents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. The, the preview scene for the next episode of Riverdale where Archie has a fucking Eastern promises confrontation of Hiram in a sweat lodge or like a. Oh, I hope we see full tame. Uh, I'll just tell you this. This, and let me. I'll let you guess which character says it to who. But someone says, "There's nothing soft about me." To the other. Oh, that's definitely Archie. Wrong. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I remember to tell Archie, "There's nothing soft about him." All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck that show. <laughs> so in the quad, it's not Dylan, but Mona. She's walking through in a hurry, talking to someone on her phone. She's wearing this like coat that has this big black fur pelt around it um what the fuck is this coat real <laughs> like housewife like of winterfell yeah it looks like she's just like covered in like an animal like the the hide of an animal she murdered but made it fashion so in her phone she's like i know it's fast but don't worry i got enough this morning to pull this off remember we have to act normal ish and she hangs up she presumably she's she's talking to she could be talking to the three perfectionists. She could be talking to Allison. She could be talking to all four of them. I and mean, they could be setting it all up right now, I guess. They're, yeah, they're I, mean, I mean, I would like to think, because that's the thing that's missing from this, is that scene where you can go back and be like, oh, yeah, that's when they that's when they made their plan. Yeah, they kind of skipped past that entirely. Because um, I thought the show is just like, it's like a rushed, I don't know, watered down. It's, it's rushing, but not getting anywhere, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would like to think that maybe Allison was the last person cued in and like her reaction is like super realistic because she doesn't know. Anyway, so she hangs up, she pauses, looks over and sees that there's like a little secluded area of a table set up on that table. James Taylor's favorite scene. Uh, we have chess table. Chess game is set up and fucking Mason's staying there trying to figure out that little like dual timer clock that chess players use. The bell's tolling. A lot of bells tolling. Bell took us, takes us into Ava's flashback. Bell takes us out. Bell's not tolling for anyone here. What is up with his coat, Mason's coat? It looks uh, like like almost like one of the dress uniforms they were in the next generation. It's like way too long. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I don't recall. He's like, uh, Bell's tolling. Mo takes a deep breath, goes to join him, and she's like, hi. And he's like, hey. And they sit across the table from each other, like the game between them. Mason's like, so we're doing this for real in person? And she's like, for real? Game on. And then she hits like the timer thing, like starting the game, and we go from their games to some dances. Pan up from the fireplace in Ali's house as we scale the long Argentinian legs of this tall drink of herpes named Gabriel. This dude is not observing a sex strike, that's for sure. No. <laughs> it's a fucking sex strike. You know what? I know it's fun to, to dunk on Alyssa Milano, but like, is there not something more important than that? Hmm. It's uh, it's phrasing that the idea of sex is different than it is. Um, is the I, problem? It's just it. like Republicans are like, we're stripping basic human rights, and then Twitter is just like, yeah, but is the protest problematic? You know, this is why Stacey Abrams should be one of the future members of the Democratic Party, is because like 
voter suppression is a huge issue. It doesn't matter how many good candidates you have. If people can't vote for them, like, you know what I mean? That, that's super fucked, which is why we have Brian Kemp. Anyway, I'm sorry. I hate Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're from Georgia. Uh, I'm not from Georgia. I mean, you were there for a while. Yeah. Just, I'm not from there. Fucking hanging up, Georgia. Bunch yeah, of fucking you. savages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. This tall drink of herpes here. Name Gabriel. Allie walks in from the kitchen, hands him a glass of red Merlot. She's got her own, too. And Gabriel says, gracias. And they clink glasses, and she kind of flashes them some classic Allie sexy eyes at him. And they retreat to the couch, and he says, how did you land such a nice place? My apartment looks like a dorm. A dorm apartment? Mm-hmm. And Ali says, I'm sure it's not that bad. And she's just batting all the eyelashes at him right now. And he says, It is turned on. Yeah. yeah. He's like, Trust me. It is. So, how is it being a TA while you're getting your master's? And, like, oh, yeah. Remember all those master's classes that Ali's been taking this whole time? This guy's like, I don't even have room for my sex swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> this guy definitely has a sex swing. Yes, he does. And Ali says, It's a lot, you know, especially at BHU. Gabriel says, I understand. I worked all the way through college, too. And Ali says, what'd you do? And he's like, if I tell you, you'll laugh. And Ali laughs and says, I mean, I've already offended you in Spanish, so go for it. And he says, I taught ballroom dancing. This slick bag of fuck. And Ali laughs at this, and he says, see, I told you. And Ali's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. I just didn't expect that. My ex-wife and I took some ballroom classes, but it's more scary than fun because our teacher was so mean. And Gabriel totally does like a little double blink a few times at the mention of the ex-wife. You can just see those wheels turning in his head as he's just like, is sex still on the menu? Calculating, calculating. And he's mm. just like, that's terrible. Dancing should be fun. And an idea occurs and he kind of... Cut to Hannah dancing. Yeah. Rises with zest and moves a chair out of the way. And Ali's just like, what, what are you doing? You're going to fuck up my feng shui. And he mm. says, giving you a free lesson. And Ali's like, oh, no, that's okay. It's been a while. But he's got his phone out and just immediately starts playing a tango jam like he had it all queued up. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm a really good teacher. And he holds out his hand with a flourish as some wet violin twitches on the speakers and they dance. Whatever. He dips her, but he doesn't kiss her. I, uh, I saw online from someone who I think listens to the podcast. Apparently you can get seriously injured if you're dipped incorrectly. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel says, see, fun. And uh, I will say we're we're definitely seeing some kind of like foxy old alley eye acting from Sasha here. I feel like we just didn't really get in the season seven Emerson days. I don't know if that was just because she was so deep in like the uh, toilet fell on her head, like personality amnesia in that last season. But I don't know. Getting more from Allie here. Uh, this guy, though, come on. I'm surprised he didn't like pull a rose out of his jacket pocket to put into his teeth as yeah. they danced. Oh, anyway, her phone beeps. She has to cut this lesson short to check it. He looks stunned. I probably was thinking, thought he was like about to seal the deal right there. You know, it's a big huff from him as he. This is taking so much effort to get it wet. And How many times do you use the expression "get it wet" in your notes? Maybe twice. No, I, that was one. Okay, so we'll keep count. Allie says my alarm, and she picks up her phone and grabs his too, and got a little power move to like send him on his way. And she says, "I have to get ready for the mixer." And he's like, "We can be late." Or ditch it for intercourse. For intercourse. Yeah, and gives him some eyebrows or gives her some eyebrows. And Allie says, I'm a TA. It's mandatory. And also, maybe this is inappropriate since I'm a TA. And he kind of swallows his bitter disappointment. He's like, I'll see you there. And she's like, Yeah. And he moves to leave. And then Allie says, Gabriel. And he stops and looks back, like maybe still a sliver of hope for that all American apple pie. And she just smiles and says, Thank you for the dance. 
He smiles a little, realizing that this is going to take more seduction and feelings than he'd really anticipated, and he leaves. Ellie sighs uh, at what what a life this is. Only five to six days after she signed her divorce papers to be pursued by the campus pussyhound already. It's rebound, man. That shit's not logical. Eh. And hey, you can you can justify that, but I, I meta textually, what the fuck? Sometimes you come to Brazil, and sometimes a motherfucker from Argentina. Um, or in Argentina, as they say, Vasagashar. I'm not saying that right. So cut to Mona and Mason playing chess. So out of uh, out of the, the fucking cheese fire. Into I the- almost didn't recap this scene. Wow, cool. I almost just said Mona scene next. Hmm. Um, so they make a few moves. Uh, she's staring at him like the whole time, make a slice of shitty pie. He, she liked to eat. And he's like, what? And she's like, nothing. It's a good move. He yeah, fucking castles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that there's some kind of like Russian thing, like some call back to some Russian player who did this that they can, I don't know, get, get wet over. Um, so they like make a couple moves more like playing faster and faster. He makes eyes at her, but then her hand touches uh, his as she reaches for the game clock. This is literally a fucking thing they did in Twilight, okay? Um, only you can make the argument that there's actual Bell and Edward chemistry there. Not so much here. I mean, this is the thing, too. I think a lot of the the female actors in this are doing a lot of work as far as, like, the lighting up I mean, and, like, doing the chemistry. It's all You're it's just all not Janelle getting here. it from the other side. Yeah. yeah it's she's, all she's really trying to give him, like, she's she's kind of at times kind of you know, predatory as she stares at him at times, kind of shy and coy. Like she's, mm-hmm. she's putting a lot into it, but this is just such she, a bullshit relationship. Her facial expressions are the narrative of mm-hmm. the attraction. The same thing for uh, Gabriel was just a fucking cheese ball, but Allison is like really like, like Sasha's really playing up like how exciting this whole thing could be for her. Oh, I'm feeling this way. I'm getting to try out these feelings and this, you know, not like brain off, loins on rebound thing and then that's why you have to really appreciate Haley Aaron because she's making eyes at both of them Um, I mean the the weird thing is like it's not like Mona hasn't had like random boy toys before you know Mm -hmm. but it's like this was the one you decided we needed to like really get emotional over even worse you know like Um, it's like did you just not have any other male cast members or like oh this character who's like a shit heel villain will just suddenly say he isn't he can be a love interest well, but but you're sidestepping a so much more interesting story of like Mona's like I need a kind of redemption. I need to be normal. I need to to do this whole thing. And it's like she's jumping right into that by like flirting with a guy who's I don't know, her, arguably her student, six years yeah. six years younger than her, maybe. He's um, he's the sophomore, confirmed by Marlene. So yeah. No, oh, that's not making it better. Um Thank you, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, they stare at each other until she like withdraws her hand shyly. And she's like, we can't do this. It's unethical. And also, you really suck hard, like so hard. And he's like, we're just playing chess. And she's like, no, we're not. I'm Mona. And Mason's like, because of the implication. <laughs> because of the implication. Uh, so just then we hear some uh, familiar voices getting heated nearby. Mona looks past Mason, the erupting conflagration. And Ava off screen is like, hey, Dylan. Dylan off screen's like, do not hate Dylan me. I thought we were friends. Um, nearby, Ali's like walking down the path, speeding up as she sees this, getting concerned. Off screen, we hear Dylan, look, I asked you a million times if it would work, and you promised that it would. 
I'm making Dylan feel more interesting than he is. Um, you see that the him there with Caitlin shouting at Ava, uh, all just like right in the middle of the quad for like God and Booker to hear, doing basically that scene from the Yoko Factor. Mm, yeah, this is also uh, S two E eleven or twelve. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know S two E fourteen. Right before the uh, the greenhouse, right? Yeah, S two E fourteen. Many toils and troubles yeah mm-hmm. um so dylan said do you want to see what you're afraid of uh dylan said you said that you got rid of that and he was like i deleted it Dylan's like well then how did my professor hear it and he was like it must have been dana she found a way to send it or, to him or he just oh. checked his email as soon as he got the email or i don't know how email works um so ali looks over in a panic to see that booker's nearby watching and drinking coffee just drinking this shit in um and as you pointed out nice thing about pll an extra starbucks cup on the set is never out of the place <laughs> i don't have to fucking worry about it and Ava's like how are you blaming me for this you're the one who made the mistake kane's like dylan come on this is so not fair dylan's like i'm about to get out of here is that fair and it's like kind of yeah and he was like, I'm sorry, what am I supposed to do about it? And Allison's like rushing up, just like, I don't know what this is about, but this isn't the time or the place. And so like, she's really playing the first take you're supposed to take on this. Like, oh shit, you guys, don't show this weakness in front mm-hmm. of Dana. So they kind of glare at each other, the perfectionists do, and then they take off. And Allie shoots a concerned look to Mona. And Mona catches this and like tosses over to Booker, who's like watching them and smiling before nodding, nod- narrowing, nodding and narrowing her eyes like a predator. Hi, I'm learning English tonight. Uh, cut to black. Obviously, this is a setup. Um, yeah, we've seen this show before. But even while watching this, though, I have to admit, I thought even the perfs can't be this sloppy. Yeah, really. <laughs> even they're not this bad. Uh, so after the break, we're back in the student union at night where applause meets Claire Hotchkiss as she speaks to the crowd. She really does look a lot like Amy Dunn. I don't know if it's something about the way they're styling their hair on the show or something, but yeah, mm. gone girl vibes. Uh, so Claire says, celebrating our faculty and staff here at BHU is an annual tradition that we always do right in the middle of Dead Week. Uh, but recent events have forced me to take a hard look at our mission statement. And we see that Taylor's watching this from a chair, and she kind of narrows her eyes at uh, Claire's grandstanding here. And Claire says, we've all strive for perfection here at BHU, and I'm responsible for that. We see Allie is watching from the crowd, too. And then Claire says, but with responsibility comes great power. No, wait. With responsibility comes repercussions. In a light of understanding how our culture here at BHU breeds competition and pressure, I decided it's time for a change. And Taylor's face is just like, oh, fuck you, mom. Uh, Claire says, success at BHU will no longer be strictly about academic performance. It'll also be based on how much you fuck. Yeah, Taylor looks back at Allie like, you believe in this shit? Claire says, we will move forward with a more balanced approach in curriculum. Thank you. Everyone claps, so, even though, like, who knows what the fuck that actually means as far as, like, actual actionable policy change, you know? So, like, I'm flipping through the notes here. And every once in a while, like, I'll, I'll add in something where I need to remember something for myself. And I wrote, the company picnic is a weird time to announce a major policy shift. And then it's, like, five seconds later, I scroll down. And you're like, this is a weird policy announcement. <laughs> well, it was so vague. It's like, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose I could see Claire just saying some vague nonsense about that and just never following up on it, you know? Yeah. That seems like the kind of thing people in power do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So Taylor, notably, does not clap. She's just clutching that mojito and ire as Claire goes around to press the flesh. Uh, this is an awful lot of faculty day, uh, awfully involved faculty day coming right in the middle of dead week. Uh, <coughs> Allie drifts over to Taylor and Allie says, 
Did you know about this? It's kind of huge. Maybe. Uh, Taylor says, first time I'm hearing the Claire 2.0. So dramatic. Yeah. She looks over at her mom and Claire winks at her, which like I found that would be one of the more interesting things in this episode. Like the little mm-hmm. wink she shares with Taylor there. Like, mm-hmm. hmm, what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, Allie kind of studies Taylor and she's like, you okay? And Taylor says, what does okay even mean anymore? There's just a whole lot of them to like checking up on each other's like, you know, emotional temperature. Mm-hmm. like psychological temperature i it's like i'm like i i guess i've always come from this reading like it's allison looking for herself or she's like this version of allison or whatever blah 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 and now i'm like i guess i'm supposed to be shipping this i don't know what this is called oh yeah who knows Taylor taylison we, we thought we thought there'd be a vander kiss but no there's fucking mason oh uh god i saw what was the ship name for that monason no, it's Monison is the one they're they're trying to do, which is way too close to Monison, which is like the Ali Mona ship. Just just no, I saw I saw one on Twitter that was like MoMA. This was from Janelle, I think. So I'm gonna go oh. with that one. Uh, in your face, MoMA person. Janelle was weighed in on this garbage. Yeah. So just then, Gabriel, Professor Gabriel, walks up to just kill the great vibe these two are having. And he says, "Hi, we haven't met. I'm Gabriel, and welcome home." And Taylor's just like, oh, I've heard all about the Snatch Spelunker of the Andes Mountains. Thank you. Gabriel says, shall we get some drinks? It's a little awkward now. What? You're giving this guy a lot of attention. I think you uh, you have a begrudging respect for him. No, I just had fun making up nicknames for him. I was going to say, there's there's like a whole, like, I don't know, like sexual Zorro aspect to him that you, uh, I think you kind of hate. That's his whole character. you admire. Yeah, that's cool. He's, he's hey, like man. a walking cliche. I, I I get it. The anger of the Mason thing led you right to Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a little awkward now because he's he's clearly trying to like separate Allie from the pack here, even though mm-hmm. she's in the middle of a convo right now. Uh, and Taylor. Well, just, he's trying to swing a threesome. No, nah, I don't think he's that bold. Oh uh, yeah, Taylor, he is from Gina. Taylor says, "I'm good," and she kind of adopts a false happy voice and says. Have you tried the mojitos? It's my mother's recipe. Uh, and he says, how can you say no to that? And he kind of turns to Allie and kind of places a hand on her shoulder, just like pulling her away, basically. Like, And Allie's just like, shall we? And uh, she can only smile reluctantly at Taylor. She's like let off here. Uh, Taylor has some unkind eyes for Gabriel as he leads uh, her future girlfriend over to the bar. What if she just yelled across the room? I wouldn't set my drink around this dude. Just saying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of guy you you wipe the toilet after he uses it. Huh. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at the Maison de la Moms, Jeremy Potter here sitting on the couch staring at the laptop. Yeah. We hear door close as Caitlin comes in. She spots Jeremy on the couch and she says, oh, hey, I didn't know you'd be here. And he's like, have you been messing with my computer? And his voice is very cold. His whole demeanor is off. Yeah, like she's robotic. messing up his top secret horror files. Yeah. Caitlin's like, uh, no. He kind of stares for a moment and then gets up and puts his laptop in a bag. And she's like, where are you going? It's late. And he's like, work. And she's like, do you want me to drive you? We could stop for dinner on the way. And he's like, no, I really got to go. And he puts on a red and yellow scarf and just <laughs> full on Hogwarts now. And he just pauses for a moment, looks back at Caitlin. And he's just like, Kate, I love you. <laughs> 10 points to Gryffindor. Uh, if he gets a fucking lightning bolt scar by the end of this season, I like if complain. he gets a shot by Taylor, <laughs> like that's the it just grazes him but leaves that scar. It'd be so good. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so he's like, Kate, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And he just nods like stoic and walks out. And now Caitlin's going to be even more suspicious. Um, so my theory here, Jeremy, (laughs) my theory here entirely is that, uh, Ava planted something incriminating on his computer to frame him and he has found it. That's what Taylor's going to shoot him for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll get to that later. But yeah, Ava had access to his computer. I'm just a little suspicious. It's nice that she's in this episode. It's as usual a shame that she's barely used because congrats to Haley Aaron winning a daytime Emmy mm-hmm. for her previous role. Yeah. Anyway, so back at the faculty mixer, Taylor stewing, jealousy watching Allie and Gabriel drink mojitos and laugh over. On I the mean, landing. is there is there any other way to read that? Nope. Nope. I mean, if there is, we don't have it because we don't have very much of this character. Like. Well, she's like, just like watching them laugh and glaring, like very displeased about the whole thing. I don't think any other show would have allowed Claire Hotchkiss to proceed with so little like definition mm-hmm. of what her character is to the show at this point. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I love Kelly Rutherford, but when you think about how much she's actually been in the show. It's not that much. Well, and they've, they've attributed a lot of emotions and motives to her that we haven't exactly seen on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like she should be fucking uh, um, Madeline Stowe from Revenge, and she's not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like Mona walks by behind in a situation, like like sidles up to Taylor, and she's like, "What are you looking at?" And Taylor's like, "Am I gonna have to put a bell around your neck?" And Mona's like, first of all, she's like, "Well, that's almost funny," and secondly, she's like, "I'd like to see you try." It's weird when the writer dunks on their own cliche through Mona. Meanwhile, vibes. Taylor gives Mona a smoldering glare and Mona's like, thank you for your phone, but I'm going to need to keep it for a while. (laughs) No problem. But hurry up. Don't scroll through my pictures because there's a lot of revealing ones of me. Wink. Uh, Man, I could tell you some stories from today, but I won't. Ooh. Mm -hmm. After hours. Um, Dana's a distraction. I need to find out who killed my brother and maybe someday the show will get back to that. Um, but yeah, no way in fuck, no way in fuck. Am I like, Hey, why don't you just take my phone? You return that thing when you're good and ready. I don't you let me know, know if I'd I ever, know I don't have a phone. I will pretty much only hand a friend a phone if it is locked. If I like need to show someone something on the phone, I'm holding onto it as I show it to them. You know what I mean? Like I never just handing someone my unlocked phone and being like, have at it. Because like Noel Khan, you've got secrets too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some people are very like hands on. Like, I have secrets. You're not allowed to look at my life. I'm not going to open up to you like that. That's oh, cool. oh, some people are. Marco, Maybe. I don't know. What do you mean? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. okay. Taylor snatches up her mojito, which might as well be glued to her hand, and walks off. It just she occurred looks- to me watching this: like, if actors can do scenes with actual liquid in their glasses when it's like wine or a mojito, why mm-hmm. the fuck are the coffee cups always empty? What? what? I don't get it. Is it if the liquid's visible or if it's like a temperature thing? You could just put cold water in a coffee cup. Like I But also is there is there a thing with like levels of liquid too? Like are you just trying to avoid continuity issues? I it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, I, I can only assume that the reason they don't put water in coffee cups is like to avoid a spill. But like they do it for other glasses when they're see through, so I don't understand it. Hmm. Because it's not like they would have to keep drinking from the coffee cup. They could just hold it up and, you know, not drink. 
Mm. So Taylor drifts over to another part of the student union and her ears burn when she hears her mom talking about her. And Claire is like saying to a reporter, well, I have to be honest. My daughter Taylor inspired all the soul searching. Taylor's struggles really forced me to reexamine our philosophy here at BHU. Um, the reporter's got like one of those like audio recorder things out. And like Taylor narrows her eyes at this some more. We hear Claire say, it's one of the most respected universities in the country. It is my hope that BHU will become a leader in a broader movement of change. Sure. Also, we're going to stop taking bribes for admission. Maybe. Um, Claire notices Taylor now and like Taylor's expression seems saddened. Claire's like, and that our students will be much more balanced and safer because of it. Thanks. And so she like shakes hands with the reporter and they like walk off. Her and Taylor size each other up for a while before Claire drifts over. And Claire's like, I know what you're going to say, that I'm using your situation to promote the school, but I really do want this place to change because of you and for you. Taylor's like, I believe you, but this is typical, mom. I snap and you end up smelling like a rose, just like last time. She walks off, leaving, leaving her mother to reflect on that. And we're like, last time? What last time? What? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm just seeding some more mystery there. Which last time is this? Also, you Mysterious. mentioned the uh, the whole bit about the, you know paying for, for spots. I was thinking like the really galaxy brain take about the whole Olivia Jade thing. Was it like the reason it was such a scandal wasn't because uh, students were being screwed out of uh, admission spots, but that uh, somebody was stealing from the school's own admission slots that they could have been, you know, getting something for themselves. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Cut to a dark hall. I'm sorry. Dark highway somewhere. Uh, Two-lane road, car glides along, turning off to stop. This looks to be near the river that uh, Jeremy and Caitlin are parked at in S1E2. We see Jeremy's driving the car, and then we kind of cut back to this highway again because another car is driving down that same road and kills their lights. It's Caitlin. She's followed Jeremy. She parks a bit away and gets out. Jeremy, meanwhile, is getting something from his trunk. Caitlin kind of creeps closer and watches and there's dramatic music really pumping in the scene to let us know some serious shit's about to go down. So we're going to do something stupider instead. Um, Dylan's door apartment. He answers the door and there's Dana Booker looking as smug as ever. And she's like, you made the right decision. He's like, let's get this over with. And he lets her in and like sighs. That's it. No more scenes between the two of them. The rest of the episode. Just kidding. Uh, after the commercial, Dylan's like looking at a random photo of himself at night in the quad at ca- on campus on Booker's iPad. And she says, this is in front of your dorm, timestamped at the exact moment Nolan was thrown from Thorn Hall. That proves you weren't there when it happened. And he's like, I wasn't at my dorm. I was. And she's like, it's real if I say it's real. How do they know the exact moment he was thrown from Thorn Hall? Well, I mean, they they have a rough estimate because they can talk they about get rough. Like, yeah, thirteen minutes later, this is or thirteen minutes earlier, this is where these people were. Um, I wonder if it's like one of the camera feeds like caught him coming. Oh yeah, like into the edge of frame, it was like splat mm-hmm. <laughs> or like poke and splat. Um, yeah, but like, aren't you curious to know where he really was, Booker? And then she also, just cuts him off. She's just like, I don't care. But also, like, eventually it'll come down to testimony. And it's like, if he was at his dorm, then he can't possibly give a hint as to where the others were. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So Booker's like, now, tell me the truth about where your friends were the night Nolan was killed. And this becomes your truth, which would then imply that's where he was as well. So why? Did because you just... the, the most obvious answer is, I don't know. Yeah. 
So Dylan's like, just like that, you do, you do that, you'd manufacture evidence for me. Can you say that into uh, my coffee table? Yeah. And she's like, I'm just gonna get me push this potted plant a little closer to you. Can you say that again? <laughs> you remember when Mona brought the fucking plant? To yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, like, Mona. At least we got like a follow up on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Booker's like, if it gets me what I need, and I sure hope this conversation isn't being recorded. So he like looks at the photo on the tablet again. And he's like, and they never find out that it was I was the one who told. And Booker's like, no. I think they would after, eventually. Yeah. After what I saw today, I'm surprised you care. Boy, I am dumb. Dylan's like, I want this to be over. This is a really hard thing for me to do. Booker's like, take some time. Pull yourself together. Then come by my office. Yes, I do have an office. I don't just drink coffee out in public. Um, she takes the iPad and she leaves. And then predictably, as soon as she is gone, he goes over, locks the door and yells, she's gone. And Ava and Mona like pop out of his like closet to like reveal there was like a clever ruse. They proceed to like celebrate this victory in a room that was directly based on the actions that Dylan took in this room, which were recorded in this room. So it's like Dana just goes back to her office and like turns on the camera and like there's these assholes like holding up their tape recorder. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know. <laughs> anyway, so. Ava rushes over to check the phone, hid under the book on his coffee table, right where he was talking to Booker. And Dylan's like, did we get it? And she plays a recording on the phone. And I would love it if it's like the the whole thing was that Ava's actually like a bad hacker. And she's like, I forgot to hit record. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, on recorder, we hear him say, just like that, you do that, you'd manufacture evidence for me. And Booker on the recorder says, if it gets me what I need. Uh, and Ava's like, we got everything. So they both exhale in relief. And Ava's like, the fake fight worked. It's like, also, thank God I, I binged that episode of Buffy on Hulu the other night. Uh, so Mona smiles, like snatches the phone. Mona says, once I match this recording to the baseline I got this morning, we'll have proof that Dana was telling the truth, that she was willing to commit a felony to frame you guys. She can't lie her way out of, the, out of it this time. Um, but I feel like a phone app, uh, Measure Stress, would not really be able to do that. But I, I love that, like... Mona's willing to go to the cops who are most likely in the pocket of people like Booker or Claire. And like, she's also going to prove she's telling the truth. Yeah, sure. She's also going to take like voice stress analysis evidence to prove that her recording is accurate. Mm-hmm. But Dylan's like, this is almost over. And Ava's like, bitch is going down. And they all nod, very satisfied with themselves. And Mona should have known better. Because um, this will only go bad if their luck stays exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Back at Alley's. I really feel like I should have re- you read some of these scenes. Do you want me to? I'll do it. Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> should I try to be Spanish? Should I be, try to be Antonio uh, Bandera? You just go with your feeling. You don't have to. Okay. The problem is that he's a little more like light and fluffy, and, yeah. and Banderas has like gravitas. Um, maybe I'll just do it in uh, the voice of the guy from No Country. Tell me, friendo. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back at Alley's, because uh, I don't remember his voice from Vicky Christina Barcelona. But, you know, back in Alley's, we get an establishing shot of her campus house and cut inside to Alley trying to impress Senor Balls Deep for Spanish. They're on the couch together. They're very close. And she's like, estos mojitos están muy fuertes, which translated to those mojitos were strong. And he's like, now that is perfect Spanish. It wasn't. Merit. It wasn't. <laughs> Alley's like, you're a good teacher. She smiles, leans closer. He goes in for a kiss, but she hesitates. And she's like, I uh, just like the dancing. I'm a little out of practice. So he holds her cheek and he kisses her like only a ballroom dancing language professor on loan from the University of Buenos Aires can. Um, 
just like a real swarthy admiration for him here. Um, then her like phone beeps and she's got to kill. <coughs> Sorry. She's like, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Something caught okay. in my throat. Oh. <laughs> was it the, uh, the heat from the scene? Yeah. Like it's, a um... rock. Okay. Um, Ali's like, uh, I'm sorry. Um, there's a lot going on. I need to check that. And he lets out like this, like heavy duty sigh. She gets up, check her phone. He like leans forward, like drink some more wine. Um, so like, like earlier they were like splitting up for their missions and Allison was like, okay, everyone proceed. Meanwhile, I'm going to go get my fuck on. But a text is from Mona saying like, we got what we needed. So Allison dismisses the text, turns back to the impatient, like, uh, uh Argentinian fuck boy. And she's like, I'm sorry for all the calls and messages. I'm not usually this attached to my phone. He's like, I understand what it's like to be attached to your students. It drives my wife crazy. And she's always calling me out on it. And she's like, whoa, back up. You're married. It turns her like, what? I thought you knew. And she's like, how would I have known? You're not even wearing a wedding ring. So he stands up saying this all has gone. How do you put it? Fuck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what he was trying to do to her. Uh, he's like, I teach an elective in romance languages and modern relationships, of course I'm a swinger. I'm honest in the class about why an open relationship works for my wife and me. He tells his class about that? What the fuck? Whoa. On a school that prides itself on like everyone being perfect, mm-hmm. modern relationships class? <laughs> like, one of those like, classes where everyone has to get naked or something. How is that not code for like, professor's going to try to fuck you? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Professor's gonna try to fuck all of you. I mean, he tells you right at the start of the class he's in an open relationship with his wife. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely gonna try to fuck half his students. Yeah, and then he like he hands out like a syllabus, which is actually just like a picture of his dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um since so like I haven't taken your class. I'm really trying to avoid drama in my life right now. And he's like, it's more dynamic than dramatic, but I get it. Our lifestyle isn't for everyone. I don't know why he sounds like Dracula. And I never push. I mean, you were driving kind of hard at the hoop, my dude, but well, you just meant Ali like a yeah, I never push, but I've been like just heavily sighing every time any like roadblock comes in my way to like banging you. Sure, you know. Yeah, push. he literally said, "Why don't we skip this mandatory work function and fuck?" Mm-hmm. Alan's reaction. Not that I'm rooting for this, but her reaction doesn't totally make sense because he's not really providing drama here. Like, if anything, this is like a no strings situation. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think she's looking for. I mean, a love she, connection. Yeah, she she theoretically she just got out of a a big long relationship. She would probably be looking for something lighter. I don't know. I don't know. Feel six something. days later, she'd be looking for something lighter. But yeah, some people they run into it, and some people run away from it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Ali's like, and I'm I'm not judging. He's like, I didn't think you were. I hope we could still be friends. And she smiles. She's like. I don't know a lot of adults in Beacon Heights, so I'd like that. I'll treat you to a coffee for another Spanish session. He's like, it's a date. I mean, not a date, but a date. And she smiles at him like, oh, we're never going to see each other again. <laughs> not ever. Uh, so one of our listeners, Sophia, asked us to talk about an article by Jay Ruiman on Hypable about... I can't believe you just walked right past my joke. Fine. I'm sorry. Do you have a joke? Oh, it's ruined now. Okay. Sorry. Uh, on Hypable about why I also need some time before moving on. That's great advice. Uh, it's realistic depending on the person, I guess. Um, I don't know that divorced people or people have gone out of breakups or people who are hurting necessarily make wonderful decisions in the immediate wake of things. So I think it's less about the character motivations as like the meta conversation that's happening here. I think that's that's really where most of the concern is. Right. And that's a that's a very valid concern. 
Um, because you can you can come up with a rationale for why Allie would do this, but you, the writer, are giving her that rationale, and this is a choice you're making. And I feel like we're not the experts. We don't have the inside information on what the season is supposed to look like and what it's ultimately about. But like, I feel like that's the thing we've been talking about. Is like that's the biggest hurdle the show will have to face is that you've created this like Frankenstein beast of the Emerson ship. No offense to those folks, but like, it's crazy. Um, I mean, some of it's crazy. I don't want to pick a too broad a brush. I do think that the kind of more toxic side of that ship is a, a small vocal minority. I think there are plenty of people right. who are just like, right. we rooted for this for seven years and then he took a big old dump on it. And it seems like yeah, you're yeah. trying to antagonize us, you know? And we'll talk about the text, but, to the toxic nature of some of the people. Uh, if this is just a relationship you're rooting for, I mean, I, I think sometimes the question about the the ships and the things you root for, I feel like sometimes it's really at the heart of it. You're identifying with a single character. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, I've known people who like, they really were into Paley and what that meant is that, that for them, they really identified with Paige mm-hmm. And like, so they like seeing that the idea that someone like Paige with the issues that she was dealing with could find a connection of someone like Emily, it meant a lot to them. And it was like, as I asked questions, I found out that they really didn't give a shit about Emily per se, because Emily's character kind of changed depending on how they needed her to. So sometimes I wonder, like, do people identify with Allison more so than Emily or vice versa? Um, but we'll talk about the text message yeah. thing at the end. All That's I know it. is that uh, I'm, I'm going to guess that we never see Gabriel again because he probably fucking killed himself. Uh, so back at that the... Joke? That was the joke. You don't get that reference? Never mind. I'm sorry. I don't. You don't watch uh, Zach Morris's Trash even though you sang the song last podcast? Oh, oh, oh yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. So it's like I made a I made a song. You went out and like, binged all the episodes of this web series. Wow, I just, I just came. I came up to you just, like you uh, like that one associate of ours uh, once came up to us holding the Nintendo in his hand, like you want to play, and you were just like, no. <laughs> and he dropped all of his Nintendo <laughs> paraphernalia. You're a sweet man. You were like, you're just like you're knocking on my door, and you're just like, I can't stop thinking about this reference. You do that what you want to. I just had to make sure you knew. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I'll just ignore that. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's my style. That's my affect. Back at the side of the river in the moonlight, Jeremy is frantically messing with something in his trunk and checking behind him, nervous. He's got black gloves on. He unzips a duffel bag and pulls out a cordless drill. Caitlin's still watching all this from like from behind a tree about you know, like 25, 30 need, feet away. I need more power tools in my car. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, he shuts the trunk and he takes out a uh, takes the drill and the computer over to a log where he drills several holes through the laptop. Uh, from a technical standpoint, I don't know if this is totally necessary for solid state drive, but I mean, it works. So, you know, it's definitely effective. Uh, it's a, uh, it's part one of something that w- works even more. Yeah. And he backs up and does this really awkward kind of like running two handed Frisbee throw and tosses the laptop into the river. It travels like at most 15 feet. Obviously he's really not a golfer. See, we can't really see where it goes. No, we can. You can. Uh. It like, <laughs> It's such a like. Why does he throw it two handed? Like, is does it weigh like six pounds or something? Like, it seems like you should just be able to frisbee one of those suckers. 
Uh, I wish we had just laptops all willy nilly. We can I mean, go out and test this. I'm gonna assume that he knows like where to drill on that laptop. He doesn't like drill straight into the lithium ion battery and like start a fire or something. <laughs> then he has to throw it in the water. Mm-hmm. Fuck! It hits a th- fish like an endangered fish, mm-hmm. and kills it. Oh, bugger! <laughs> bugger all. Uh, so he seems to breathe a sigh of relief and he's kind of staring at the running water. And then uh, back behind her tree, Caitlin's phone buzzes. She answers in a quiet voice. She's like, hey, cut to Ava and Dylan in his dorm apartment. And Ava says, it worked. Dylan actually got Dana to bait him with a fake alibi. And he comes over and leans in next to her and says, so I'll say I'm shocked that these two dumb dildos aren't like popping champagne or something. <laughs> yeah. Champagne that was meant for Andrew, but you know, yeah. he's uh, in <laughs> night class. Yes. <laughs> Dylan says, uh, you know, when you actually say it, it makes it makes you sound like uh, you didn't think it was going to pull. Or, I'm sorry. When you say actually, it makes it sound like you didn't think it was going to, I could pull it off. And they kind of giggle and play grab ass a little. And it was like, it worked, Kate. We got her. Now we can prove to Claire that Dana's corrupt. Like, why aren't they thinking about. How corrupt Claire might be. Yeah, why aren't they thinking that Claire's just like, I know, that's why I hired her. Yeah. Uh, She's an evil monster that I can get to do anything I want. Duh. So back at the river, Caitlin hears a car trunk slam, and she kind of looks up uh, from back around the tree, and Jeremy's gone. Ava on the phone, we hear her say, Kate, hello? And Caitlin says, "Uh, hey, I got to call you back. Okay, I'll be sorry. And she hangs up, kind of panics, because where's Jeremy? Mm, Where indeed. So back to the dorm apartment, Ava frowns at her phone. She's like, that's weird. She said she's calling us back. And Dylan's sitting on the couch. She's looking around wistfully, and he's like, I guess it's time to start packing up, huh? And Ava's like, Dylan, I'm sorry. I got so excited about bringing Dana down, I forgot about what this actually means for you. So do the writers. Uh, Dylan says, who do you think I should tell first, Andrew or Professor James? And Ava's like, when the school finds out what Dana was doing to us, the pressure she's been putting on us, Maybe the ethics committee will give you a second chance. Maybe they won't expel you. Not. Yeah, he shrugs. Um, but also, Dylan, Dylan, this is a good time to just flat out say you don't really care about Andrew. Yeah. Ava says, we did delete the email, and it was Dana who sent the recording to James. And Dylan says, you know what really surprises me? If I do get kicked out, I think I can live with it. It's like, you can? Because it really seems like uh, this whole plan glossed over that fact. Uh, and like that he'd be coming clean until right now, you know, mm-hmm. like usually your plan would have a, a solution for that too. But, or I don't know, they do like a blackmail back or something like that. It's really odd that like they don't have a solution for it. And it's like, suddenly he's like totally okay with getting expelled or like here, we've proved that she's telling the truth about this thing, which means that somehow she's also a liar and you can't trust anything she says. And uh, also, we're going to destroy Professor James's phone. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So Ava says, after how, after he says, you know, he'd be fine getting kicked out. And Ava says, after how hard do you work to get here? And Dylan says, we spent this whole semester, or at least two, about two weeks of it, uh, running on a hamster wheel. I've made the same mistakes over and over. I cheated to get ahead. That's not, that's not who I am. Yeah, it is, Dylan. Uh, one's a cheater, all's a cheater. Ava says, well, you made a mistake, but you belong at BHU. And then we're just flashbacking into all these quick shots of the 3.5 times perfectionists were sort of friendly with each other. Uh, we see Dylan playing his song for Andrew to Ava and Caitlin. And we hear kind of off screen, you know, voice uh, 
And she's actually kind of right. And we cut to that styrofoam scene from S23 and Dylan says, okay, let's get back to work. Let's finish up. And Caitlin says, no, I, I mean about the fun part. And Ava says, I know, I kind of like hanging out with you guys. And she throws the styrofoam peanut at Dylan and he swats it away and meaningful glances are exchanged. And yeah. uh, cut to the three of them holding hands at Nolan's funeral. And we hear Ava say, well, it brought us together. Cut to Ava and Dylan uh, waiting in the hospital and then Caitlin in her hospital bed. And Dylan says, for Caitlin. And then cut to Ava taking the flashlight from Dylan over the sewer grate in S-26. And Ava says, for Caitlin. And then we cut to the perfectionist standing alone at the church and uh, Nolan's funeral there. And Ava says, so I guess that's our silver lining. And then we cut to an overhead shot of Ava and Dylan standing next to Caitlin in her hospital bed. And Dylan says, are we together? And then we cut to an overshot of the three perfectionists in the quad where the walkways diverge from uh, S-23. And then cut to a shot of the fucking pig man. Yeah, really. This, like this should have. Oh, sorry, go ahead. This is the second time now that they resorted to a flashback of that one styrofoam scene yeah. to convince us that these three perfectionists are like really tight friends. In eight episodes, they've gone back to it twice. I would say in eight episodes, you just you don't have enough moments to yeah to cobble together. But also, this sequence should have ended with some kind of in moment diegetic callback to it to put a button on it. You know what I mean? Like like one of them's the flashback montage is like happening, like Ava's mind, she's reflecting upon it. And then when she comes back to the present, he like takes her hand. He says, because of all that shit, we are together, you know, yeah. whether I'm here or not, or something like that. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, lie together, die together. All right. Back to the moping. Ava says, don't give up. And he's like, don't get me wrong. I'm going to fight like hell to stay here. Are you? Uh, he does this weird kind of twitchy shoulder shrug like he's trying to stretch without standing up. He says, no matter how it turns out, I'll be okay. I mean, I'll be happy for you and Caitlin. Sure. <laughs> what? Like, it just seems like such a, like, we don't give a fuck about Dylan as a character. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's really weird that we never got to see him, like, agonizing and coming to grips with this, like, pretty major decision that's going to mm-hmm. potentially get him kicked out of school and alter his whole life. Like, his, you know, all season long he's been talking about how much this school means to him and how it was like his escape from his like shitty home life and, you know, being in Idaho or wherever the fuck he's from, you know, and now he's just like, that's eh, cool. I'll be fine. It doesn't seem like he's like really gone on enough of an, an emotional journey to get to that place, you know? No, no. And, and he's not really talking about Andrew at all. No, because he doesn't give a shit about Andrew. <laughs> he just doesn't want to be the bad dude whose boyfriend left him because of those reasons, I think is his thing. Like that's what upset him. So I think he thinks if Andrew comes back, Oh, slight wipe clean. I'm a, I'm a good dude again. Now I can dump Before, him. Yeah. Now he can dump him or he can have Andrew come back and they can have a fucking moment as he's cheating on a final mm-hmm. or whatever. So we're cutting to later when Ava comes back to her own dorm, she comes in shuts the door, notices Nolan's like shirt splayed out on her bed. She like walks over to it, caresses it sadly picks it up, holds it to her chin, smells Nolan's must, starts like rolling around in the bed wearing it. Um, we get some flashbackies to Ava asleep in bed that in that same shirt. Um, there's some gasoline or Vaseline like just on this oh, lens. Like, just Vaseline, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah, gasoline on the lens. That'd be fun. I was like, that's really flammable. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a weird met. I thought you were like going for some kind of metaphor. <laughs> This this love affair is flashback and gasoline. Um, yeah, not exactly. 
<laughs> after this scene, Nolan will go outside the church and just start playing the guitar in an empty desert. That's how hot it is. So some singer-songwriter generic music version of We Wish You a Merry Christmas is playing as Ava wakes up. I couldn't tell through this whole scene whether or not this song was playing in the room, like diegetically or not. I don't think yeah. it was, but... I sure as shit it, hope It kind of seems like Ava's reacting to it. I don't, sure as fuck don't want to wake up to Christmas carols being blasted at me in my bedroom. Not a fan of Christmas um, carols, huh? Not in my bedroom when I'm trying to get some goddamn sleep. No. Hmm. No. Hmm. Okay. No. It's not my fuck jam. Sorry. No, it's just self. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so she like throws an arm across the bed and is, like alarmed to find it empty. This is also her room. Do we mention that? It's her room. Yeah, I, I mentioned it because I thought this was going to be like their first night, but it clearly can't be. No. Well, I think... So she stayed over at his place one night, got the shirt. She's take, taken, she's taken like girlfriend ownership of the shirt. It's mm. gone back to her. She wears it every night. Yeah. She wears it. So she has some, I mean, that's, that's yeah, not more totally or less crazy. checks out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the only difference would have been like if Aria had taken that shirt from Ezra and like taken it home with her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, also, if somebody wants to do a super cut of Ava's snort laugh, I, I won't be mad. Um, so Ava's just like, Nolan. Justin, like, Nolan walks in wearing only black sweats, a fake white beard, and a Santa hat. And he's like, ho, ho, ho. He's got, like, a big Santa bag full of, like, loads of presents over his shoulder. Loads. And also this – yeah, this is Ava's dorm, as we said. Um, and she's, like – he's, like uh, – She's got, like, a Christmas tree and lights and everything in there. I'm trying to remember what she's moved – I think she's moved the dresser that she makes drinks on for the tree. Probably, yeah, I think so. Which – Whatever, you got a whole other dorm room attached to your <laughs> thing. You got plenty of room. Um, he's like, have you been a good girl, Ava Jalali? And she's like, I don't know, Santa. You tell me. Have I been naughty? Um, this does not feel as sexy as it should be. It, it seems, feels corny. Yeah, it's like corny. It's not like seductive. What should they do? Get a wet, you two. Yeah. See, that's two. Um, that's two. It's only two. I'm so sorry. I know, I know it's one of your catchphrases. I guess that's why I, I no, added it. That's not mine. Value. I probably stole it from someone. Well, you made it your own. Mm. You made it your own sticky mess for people to sit in. Um, like, but like, do you want him just to have like a little present box like hanging off his cock? <laughs> I mean, it's Nolan Hotchkiss. I don't know what they're doing as his character. His character makes no sense, but yeah. Well, I feel like, I mean, I think I have a note later, but like, I feel like the the thing to read into this is if these scenes seem dubious to you, they are probably flavored in a certain way by Ava. Like they're. I, yeah. I, I think I know why these are here. Um, yeah. Because she's evil. But, but they're, they're here for her, not for him. Like his character still doesn't make any sense. Right. So he drops the beard um, and not her and sits on the bed to kiss her. And he's like, Merry Christmas. And she's like, Merry Christmas. Uh, they both smile, and she notices his bag, and she's like, I didn't know we were doing presents. I didn't get you anything. And he says, you have already given me the best kiss I ever got. And she's like, what's that? And he's like, you. And they kiss again. It's a chase kiss. <laughs> a not blow a job. <laughs> Just puts his hand on the back of her head. That's, That's disgusting. That time you stuck your tongue in my asshole. Oh, no one's into that. Oh, absolutely. He's into that. This is a nipple clamps guy, for sure. Um... Go on. <laughs> I want to like. I want to. I want to try to guess a number of how many like butt plugs he owns, but I don't know. I don't know how many. Was our podcast this blue for PLL? I don't think it was. No. I don't know well, what changed. I, we talked. <laughs> we talked about like 
pile of the perfectionists. They want you to know these characters fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, Arya and Ezra were doing some like softcore porno moves five years forward. Yeah, I mean, that was very much like. I mean, it was just like here is some ass. It was pretty traditional, I would say, though. Mm, mm, mm. So it's not a let's bang kiss. He returns to his bag of presents. Um, this is about, yeah, like I said, this is this is not a horny flashback. This is about how it's Ava's supposed heart- to be romantic. Yeah, yeah, how her heart won't go on. Um, so he's like, now open the presents because nothing makes me happier than to see you happy. One hundred percent, he did not say that. Um, One hundred percent. So she smiles again, just smitten like a kitten. And flashback. Um, yeah, as I wrote here, I don't understand the point of these flashbacks. It's like they're trying to massively retcon Nolan's character into some sweet guy. And instead of like bothering to kind of play up his complicated nature. I mean, yeah. Well, the problem is, from her perspective solely, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like they did more with him than him fucking her model and then driving Mealy to Taylor um, unshowered and being like... Ava walked in on me inside of another girl. She'll never like come back to me now. And Taylor's like, tut, tut. It's yeah. for the best. <laughs> like, and if Taylor had had a conversation with Ava about that, they could discuss this, but not, not so much. So Ava like smells the shirt again, like rubs her face on it, looks sad, carefully folds up the Hotchka shirt, puts it away in her box of keepsakes, along with the broken lens. I guess she's basically putting away the past. So we hear his voiceover of nothing makes me happier than to see you happy. Now go have sex with that 17 year old boy. Did we really need Um, a a flashback to him? Like from a line he said like earlier in the episode that he said 20 seconds earlier, Mm -hmm. 20 seconds earlier. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's like really hitting the point home. So she smiles at the memory. Surely this scene must exist just to throw us off the scent because Ava is the real killer. I don't know why else the scene exists. Honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. It's really to me. It's more about how she's complicated than he is. Mm-hmm. So, after commercial, we're over at Mona's for some nonsense techno babble. Mona says, "I'm using this morning's baseline recording of her truce to match against her offer to Dylan. That way, when we take it to Claire, Dana will not be able to argue that she was bullshitting." Uh, she's on the phone. We cut to Allie on the other end, who's sitting on her couch. And Mona says, "We are on the phone. Say, uh, she had every intention of giving Dylan a fake alibi." Allie says, then we can prove that Dana was willing to break the law to get what she wants. I don't think Clara 2.0 will want that from her head of security. Oh, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mona nods and then her Mac beeps. She's got a new message from Mason in her chess game. He seems to have changed his screen name from Bad Bishop to just Mason. Or that's just bad continuity. Uh, anyway, uh, the message is a rematch. And Mona kind of looks stricken and stutters in response to Allie. Uh, yeah, I'll, um, uh, I'll let you know when we have the analysis confirmation. Allie says, and we'll take it to Claire. And Mona says, and then you can finally start living your best Beacon Heights life. Which, <laughs> and Mona just smiles and hangs up. And Allie just has this look on the other end like, uh, sure, whatever. <laughs> I just tried that and it didn't work out. It was kind of gross. Yeah. So Mona scoots closer to her Mac and takes, takes a deep breath before typing, I want to, but. And she hesitates. And then she hits that delete key a bunch and uh, sends no message back instead. And some crooners singing on the soundtrack as Mona sighs and rubs her exposed neck just the international sample for I could use a dick right now cut to a stock shot of the student union exterior inside Zach is studying because it's actually still dead week I feel like that's the most weirdly sexual thing in this episode is it yeah him studying 
No, 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 no. You know the look, everyone. Everyone knows that move. Oh, we yeah, we know the look. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we've just never had the dulcet tones of uh, Benjo Light like explaining to us. Anyway, yeah, uh, Zach is studying because it's actually still dead week, apparently. Um, Ava walks up behind him carrying two coffees as she talks to him. It's all shot through the window. We can't hear what they're saying, but they're enjoying each other's company, laughing it up. They even high-five at one point because that's their, that's their thing now. Zach's getting that motor running, yeah. Well, it's a move. It's, uh, you know, initiating some touching. It, well, I would say, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shared callback, but also it's, it's touching, so... I mean, if a person doesn't ever want to touch you, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to Mona. She's sitting. I'm assuming you want me to do this part. Um, yeah, sure. Although I'm just thinking. Oh, okay. No, my my rant about the mojito room is coming up. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Carry on. So back to Mona. She's just sitting for long. I mean, unless you really want to dive into this scene. No, oh, no. Have fun. It's all you. Okay. okay. I, you know, I have my editorial at the end, but yeah, go for it. Okay. <laughs> Andy Rooney will uh, chime in and shuffle his papers while I talk. Mm-hmm. Um, she's Mona's, like sitting for lonely at her table for chessboard in front of her, drinking more red wine. Uh, this episode is brought to you by red wine. <laughs> Doorbell rings. It's Mason. Fuck this. Um, Mason's like, I would never do anything to get you into trouble, but you need to know, I can't stop thinking about you. Do what you want with that. But I had to tell you. And this is some aggressive faux romantic comedy just, bullshit. Just, just hold up a, uh, to me, you are perfect uh, sign written on paper there while you're Which, at it. It, that's the thing about romantic comedies in the moment of the thing oh that's sweet when you walk out into the harsh light of day you're like that's fucked up that's your that best is, friend's wife man that is you were in that wedding that's fucking you you've known this person for a while you could have said something long before um they're really really trying to sell us on this idea of like faded love it's more like doomed love um james is pressing i, I think they're going more for faded that like this faded love that can't be resisted or something. Yeah. Pressing next to doubt on all that. No, but the problem is again, it's based on, it's only 10 episodes and it's based on her telling us and Janelle Parrish being so fucking good about, I do have a connection to the real world. Every night I play chess with this person, blah, blah, blah. And like her selling whoever this bad Bishop is that you didn't hear about to like episode four or five, like, like that's my connection to the world or whatever. And then it's this fucking dude and it doesn't make any sense. Um, he's like, cause they're not seven. even like going there with a, like he's villainous and can't be trusted, but Oh, why do I have this connection? Like they're not even steering into that. It's like mm-hmm. suddenly they turn him into like just the world's softest cinnamon roll. Like, Oh, just forget the first six episodes Which, of the show in other TV language to me would say, Oh, Mason's a dude to get shot on the boat next week. But then I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I would go that way. You don't have a lot of, well, I guess you have some diversity in the cast, but not enough. That's never really stopped the show before. Yeah, true. Um, but I, you know what I mean? Like I, I think I, I predicted last week that, that Jeremy will die before the end of the season. But it seems like they're setting up like Mason to be the one who dies and then or gets fridged. Just basically. trying to make me happy. Yeah. And then Mona swears vengeance. Um, and then like her phone goes off and it's like, did you miss me? Mm-hmm. New A, A four, whatever. Um, Game on, bitches. Yeah, so he turns to go, but then Mona awkwardly pulls him aside, and Janelle's doing her best to provide the chemistry for both of them. I mean, this dude's basically his thing is that he's in good shape. Yeah, she's bringing the sexy. He's in good shape. I don't know that this dude he's gives present. off like hot vibes though. He's just you know there. I mean? Yeah, like, he, it's because his character is so all over the place. I mean, but like. 
I think even as like a straight man, it's like you can tell when like a guy is also bringing the chemistry. Like he's oh, he's sure. fully meeting, and like this dude, I don't think he's meeting. I think he's like, holy shit, I'm 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 the kid from Heroes. Well, he, after he did like his big of like you know about face in episode six, suddenly he's just like guy who seems like he could cry at any moment because he's so yeah, sensitive. Yeah, sh- he's shy and timid and yeah. sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> cyberbullying your ex bros. Ex-girlfriend is the uh, music he, of math. He, he was grieving. Yeah. yeah Grief is the art of math. Um, when I'm grieving, I would probably do more of this than I would do of the bullying, but whatever. Uh, so they kiss, take off just clothes. It's awkward. It's like two long shots. Their jackets being tossed off. Did you notice like, that? Like the, the jackets thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's like why also, we get these weird cuts of both jackets. Like we needed to see that. <laughs> yeah. When he like goes at her like uh, old lady blouse, that was kind of funny too. Um, they're on like the kitchen aisle or something. This makes sense to me because you know Paris is very short. <laughs> I was expecting them to like knock over the chessboard, but they didn't. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a move. That'd like, be literally a yeah. yeah. A checkmate. Um, yeah, Queen's so, Gambit. So they uh, do it, Jan. Just uh, what a colossal misfire by the misfire by the writers. Like on uh, Wednesday night, the official PLL Twitter account tweeted, "Mona and Mason, do you ship it?" Uh, and on Thursday, because I was bored. I uh, did just a quick tally of the responses. So this, this may have changed since then. This is, you know, up to Thursday accurate. Uh, 23 positives, 68 negatives. That's a hard 75% who told the show they can keep it. I mean, oof. Uh, there's no rule that says writers are required to do what the fans want or keep shippers happy. But, man, if you're going to eat some shit, like, it should probably be worth it, right? Like, like what about Mona and Mason or Ali and the cunning linguist was worth it in this episode? Like, this isn't Spencer having like a fucked up drunken dalliance with Marco in an elevator. Like it's not like there were a ton of Marco Spencer shippers who are rooting for that to happen. But I think most people understood like, Oh, there's drama happening here. Like there's really no drama here. It, it just feels like dumb pandering nonsense. And the people you're pandering to don't want it. It's like the wrong pandering. It's fan service from a show that doesn't seem to understand its own fans. End of rant. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just picturing, um, that elevator hookup I had of Spencer it was awesome. Um, yeah, I will say this too for Mona's first love scene. Let's just say it's let's just say they take this character out of it. It's Mona's first love scene. I respect the fact that while she's making the song of ice and fire right there on the dining room table, her computer five feet away is like running a program to ruin someone's life. <sighs> Good times. Anyway, cut to Allison in her house. She's just let Taylor in. She's enjoying another glass of her own. Uh, this is so she's had some Merlot, then she's had some rum. Now she's having Merlot again. Yikes! That's a that's a that's a case of the fucking wonderfuls and the that kind of fucking oh shits later on. Um, and she's like, "I'm surprised your mom let you out alone." And Taylor's like, "Oh, I'm not alone. There are two guards on your front porch." And Allison's like, "Wow, damn!" But also, fucking someone while their bodyguard is outside. Bucket list. Okay. Right. Right. I don't know. You big fan yeah. of the bodyguard? Like, like you're just no, not not that movie per se, but like, let's say like you're just like doing the thing with somebody, and it's like outside, no cons out there to protect you both. I can't say I've ever thought about that. You should. You really should. I was I was referring to the TV show, by the way, Bodyguard. The TV show. Oh yeah, Richard. Yeah, Madden. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I need Rob Stark. Like I don't, I, I don't, just don't know if he could be Bond, or no one can tell what he's saying. That's all I'm saying. Because he's like Irish, right? He's he's got. I mean, maybe he can soften it, you know, for Bond. 
Yeah, I've just I've never felt the the Rob Stark Richard Madden thing. No? I just don't think I don't think he's like the hunk people want him to be. I mean, who? No, we'll have the Bond conversation later. We'll have a Bond conversation. I, I'm going to start calling you the cunning linguist. I like that. Um, that's a Bond reference, by the way. That's right. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, Goldeneye. Taylor's like, okay. <laughs> 1995. Sorry. Go ahead. I said, like, go go on. No, 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 no more foreplay. Uh, Taylor's like, I know I, I should have called first, but I didn't want to talk about this over the phone. So I came here where there are cameras that can watch us and that I love you. And Ollie's like, what is it? And Taylor's like, I want to be the person to give my mom the evidence about Dana. I need it to come from me so she understands how valuable I am. It's the only way she'll give me full access to Beacon Guard and everything she knows about who killed Nolan. I'm sorry, does your mom know more? Like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, are we going to like go to a thing about the whole, like why the mom was in the crypt or whatever all night? Anyway, if, if it, wouldn't Dana Booker have full access? And if so, shouldn't she have solved the murder by now? If that's what you needed to solve it? I don't know. If she was actually trying to solve the murder and not just frame. I only thing I could think is like, it's like Claire knows that somehow Nolan's murder is tied to this this beacon guard project she has going on. And so she maybe she, wants to, she hires a complete fuck up. Well, but like, so it's like, maybe she wants to like figure that all out, but she needs to do that quietly, privately, publicly. She needs to have somebody give like a patsy to the public. So she hires somebody with a personal vendetta who's good at running down stupid bullshit games of college students. Anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a patsy. You need a patsy for Nolan Hotchkiss. Uh, his name's Roy Hogadorn. Just some weird fucking janitor dude. He's creepy and squatty in one of your buildings. He could take that guy down. No one's going to blink twice. I really wanted like Mona to bring up Roy Hogadorn. Like you would think that if he has some kind of connection with Taylor. He was Taylor just there to there. be like, there are forces who were out there. Who were some bad. of us. Yeah. Some of us are super users in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My name's Roy Hogadorn Root. <laughs> when you level up to God mode, I have the keys that lead you through every door. Um, so Taylor's like someone emotional. She says this. Allie looks down. You can tell she has reservations, but she's going to shift them off to Mona. And she's like, Mona still doesn't trust you. Neither does my heart. Taylor's like, but you do. She smiles. This is a sweet move by Taylor. It uh, is because it, it totally deflects her whole like Mona doesn't trust you. It's like I, I see you shifting the, uh, you know, the reservations and I'm just going to go right back and be like, oh, but you do. And now mm-hmm. now you're stuck. Now you're pinned like a butterfly. Also, I suspect that you spent this episode being reminded that men are trash. Let's get it wet. Um, suggest that Taylor needs full access for some other reason. Um, so, well, yeah, well, what's, what's Taylor up here? A double cross. It seems like that would be too obvious of a thing. If like, here you go, here's the evidence. And like the next episode, Oh shit, something went wrong. And now the evidence is gone. Like that would be too, too obvious and blatant that, that Taylor's like fucking them over. Right. Taylor's like playing her own game. Yeah. I think she, I'm, I don't know that she doesn't want revenge for Nolan. I also don't know that she doesn't know more than we, Oh, she definitely knows no. more than we know. So, but she's she, also not sharing. So. Yeah, she can get the RV for Mona. So, does she really need full access? And if so, why hasn't Booker been using it? Yeah, uh, this to me, is, I think the ultimate goal here isn't that Taylor really gives a shit about Booker one way or the other. I think she needs this full access for some other reason. 
uh, motives we can't hope can't hope to guess yet. But I, I don't think this is going to result in her screwing them over about Booker because I don't think she cares about that. No, I mean I think she's she's given her warning that like we need to resolve this stupid Booker thing too sweet because yeah. this is not the real battle. Mm-hmm. Um, back to the woods. Back to the woods. It's uh, been like seven minutes of episode time, but a whole bunch of scenes. So it feels like like this has been going on for a really long time. Uh, Caitlin's still out there by the riverside looking for where Jeremy fucked off to. Uh, she creeps over to his car and looks in the window. There's no one there. He's out pooping. Yeah. And then boom, Jeremy's reflection darts into view behind her own in the window. And he's this cold, dead-eyed serial killer look on his face. Caitlin spins around, startled. Jeremy says, you shouldn't have followed me. And Caitlin's like, why? Jeremy, what's going on? And he just stares like a cold fish and says, get in the car. And Caitlin swallows, kind of unsure all of a sudden who she's been dating for a year in the mm. show. So my theory, Ava planted something on Jeremy's computer, something to frame him for Nolan's murder. Jeremy discovered this, which is why he's destroying the computer. Uh, Taylor is going to use her full access to discover this, and she's going to shoot Jeremy. And then they'll discover it as a frame up, and the series villain will finally announce her presence in the finale. Yes. I think so. Like, so like I've been saying for a while, I think Ava is much more involved in something nefarious, maybe Nolan's death, but she's, she's done something. Um, and we've been slowly getting her motivations as a villain, but I just don't see her being. Well, we've been getting the opposite of her motivations. Essentially. We've been getting a whole lot of, uh, yeah, red herring yeah. is the wrong word, but uh, misdirection, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we've been spending a lot of time with her and getting mm-hmm. the sense that she's a complicated person with a, with a dark present based on her past. Um, I don't know that she's like, like you said, the series villain. Um, fascinating though, because she doesn't have to be started, to be Nolan's killer. No, pilot started. I was like, Caitlin's going to be my favorite. The perfs. Ava's going to be the one that I just don't connect to. Dylan mm-hmm. is so boring that it's almost indiscernible. And those two have completely switched because Caitlin's like gone from being like the, the Spencer in a good way to like a, like a, like a bad Spencer. Well, she doesn't, she doesn't have the interesting parts of Spencer. I, I, I do think that Sydney Park is the best actress of the three perfectionists. You know, nothing against the other two, but like, I feel like she has it there. You know, she's got the, the reserves to bring, but she's not really getting much to play with right now. I think no. Sophia Carson, meanwhile, is just like, Oh, I'm on PLL. I know what to do. You know, like I'll just kind yeah. of like play this kind of like a goofy character and kind of like be over the top in all the fun ways. Yeah, talk about an actor who absolutely knows what people are asking of her in the making of the show. And I think, so it's, I think it's she started to get nicely. it like three or four episodes in. I feel like yeah. Sophia Carson started to kind of get like what was required of Ava. But I think I think Sydney Park, it's not just having her play as Spencer. It's like giving her a little bit of like some Hannah personality would also help too because she's well, and, she could be a very lively, fun person. But also like let her be Caitlin. But let Caitlin be an interesting character. Like she doesn't need to be one of the other liars, you know. Also, don't don't in in text in canon refer to her as Spencer. Yeah. Let us do that. <laughs> like what? It's like the point now where I'm like, Jesus, what the fuck? Like PLL reference are we going to make next week on the show? Oh, I'm sure there are some coming. Yeah. Um, I have I mean, high hope next week because it's the return of Norbuck. Yep, Norbuck's back in it. I believe it's a Marlene episode. I'm not 100% on that. Hmm. 
I think IMDb lists her as the developer of the show, and there's like no writing credit. So I guess we'll find out. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, this episode was fine. I think there's you just have to look past a lot. Basically, there's just going to be lots of kind of character work that doesn't add up, which I feel like that wasn't something we usually got on PLL. I feel like the characters on PLL almost a hundred percent of the time, like it made sense why they were doing something. It might not, it might be a dumb thing to do or, you know, or it might, you might get frustrated like, Oh, why are you people still like leaving your windows open or whatever? But like they all, they all felt uh, consistent, you know, like uh, Dylan, like out of nowhere, it's just like, Oh, I'm fine getting expelled. You know, like Mason's a completely different character all of a sudden. Like it's just weird seeing them like whiplash through all these character motivations. Especially coming out of the setup for the show, which was all derived out of you, you're this archetype. Mm-hmm. You, you're that archetype. And let me verbally tell you what our relationship was like. Um, do you want to talk about the text messages? Oh, <laughs> Here's here's the shittiest part to me. <laughs> the damage control text message. Here's the shittiest part. She texts Emily. Emily says, it's late, Allison. Allison's like, well, no, it's only late there. It's early here. It's like, mm-hmm. no, fuck you. You woke me up. God damn it. You woke me up. That's not the actual tone of it. But like people who are like, oh, no, it's only it's early here. That's how time zones work. I'm allowed to text you and wake you up in your time. That, that's what your, um, your takeaway from all that is. You want to complain about my, the time zone. That's just my first note. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is like, uh, this is Allison's like fantasy version of a conversation that she'd have with Emily. I do not think, I don't think if they're having these conversations, they're getting divorced. No, the rumor is that they're setting up uh, like a Shane Mitchell cameo, I think, in the finale. So, yeah, and so I this think is that. that. Rumor's, I don't the rumor is partially 20% created by you and I, just trying to figure out where is this all going. I mean, I, uh, I understand why the innocent shippers are upset. I don't think the writers necessarily need to be beholden to them. It's just you would think that they could be a little more sensitive and have a little more meaning behind what they're doing because it doesn't really feel like they're gaining anything. You know, like it's like you don't have to do what the Emerson Chippers want, but you kind of know this is going to piss them off. And so, like, mm-hmm. you got something good or you're like, sorry, it's too good. You're going to have to piss them off. I think, I think part of this came out of like, you get there at the whiteboard and you do your bullet points of this is what the notes, we, the beats we want to hit in this season. And then from those, you get to, okay, if you do this, we got to, you know, emotionally, we have to get into this core of this for this character. And then it's like, okay, we only have 10 episodes and some of it's going to be stupid filler stuff. Like this isn't a serious like investigation of like what Allison's going through, like post breakup, you know what I mean? Well, or, it would or all have that been stuff. very easy to like obviously it's a spin-off that Shane Mitchell's not on. Like you kind of mm-hmm. need to write the Emerson thing out in some way or other. But mm-hmm. it, it would have been easy to just like not have her like immediately like, you know, have this like weird quasi romance for a whole episode with this like total walking cliche of like a Latin lover, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I guess that's the only thing I could think of is like what would be the 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 first weird goofy rebound that Alice would have. It'd be this. Like he could have waited for season ball. two or something. I don't know. But I mean, it's like, I don't care about Emily because Emily's not on the show. So like, this should be all from Allison's perspective. I just, I don't know that like there's enough time to get into the. I mean, the, the ultimate problem is that uh, they decided to do a spinoff with a character who's like super tied down and mm-hmm. they're just like, let's just write her whole family off. 
which to me screams like we had no concept that this spinoff might actually happen or that that, that we're going to do a perfectionist show. No, no one thought it will engineer it to be like the spinoff when mm-hmm. they wrote that finale. Yeah. Yeah. You would think they, I mean, I don't know how they could have set it up different without just not having Evison happen, I guess, but anyhow. That was the episode. It was fine. Um, yeah, the last two are coming up, so it seems like we're going to get some. Taylor's got a gun. I mean, so we know that from the promo. So someone's getting shot. Someone's getting shot. I, I'm going to say, like, it's not. It's going to turn out to be, like, an oops. Like, that wasn't the person who should have got shot type of deal. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. So... Thank you to to Katie who emailed us to talk about the um, Allison and Gabriel. I don't know if you can call it a hookup. I mean, it's it's interesting. She talks it's like a about failed you know, hookup. Yeah, she ta- it's interesting. She has a good point about you know like Allison's at a point now where she doesn't need her like high school crush to fulfill something. She needs someone to make her happy. So to Katie, the the attempt at a romance between her and Gabriel makes kind of sense, though obviously it's going to infuriate people and. Uh, Thank you for to Rolo for dropping mention of us on the PLL subreddit and to the people who wonder why we make so many uh, references to Mona's hacking the home network, if you know what I mean. Um, I mean, we even edited some out. Did we? Mm-hmm. Which ones did we edit out? Uh, that's a couple episodes ago. I'll tell you later. Oh, uh, uh, scooping? <laughs> anyway, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, you're can go to iTunes, leave us a review, rate us, tell your friends about the pod. Uh, one review this week in the U.S. from uh, Laurent282. Uh, thanks so much. I think she pointed out that Dana Booker is trash. Yeah, kind of agreed. Um, Dana Booker is trash. Yeah. Normally, uh, as also, we don't do any ads on the show or have a Patreon, but if you'd like to support the pod beyond rating and reviewing, we have a book coming out soon. Uh, if you go to mynameistrouble.com, you can get some more info on it. It's a teen murder mystery. We've got a kind of a back page uh, summary up on there as well as an excerpt from the first chapter. Uh, very excited about this. Soon, soon, soon. Pre-order is coming, I think. I hope. Uh, and yeah, my name is Trouble. Hopefully by the finale. We'll, uh, we either have pre-orders or perhaps even the book itself in your hot little hands. So check it out. Hashtag hot little hands. Um, are we going to do a cover reveal? Uh, yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cover reveal is coming soon. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, anything else we need to cover? No, happy Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. She really texts my mother. Yeah, she worries about you. Mm-hmm. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.